give me roses I wish he could again But that's a lonely outside And things were different then On the inside the sun still shines And the rain falls down Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. And James Diamond. Hello. And I am the man leading us through this film and television chat, Steve Norman. Uh, this week, the quiz is back. Um, Yay! Oh, no. bit of, a bit of a change <laughs> to it. I'll start off asking the questions. It's, it's uh, best of three between James and Owen, and it's the winner takes on the a mantle, a quiz master, for lack of a better term. But the quiz will remain the same format as what it was before in terms of questioning. So we're starting off this time in 1990 of Arachnophobia. Owen, Jeff Daniels. Yes, Owen, it's Jeff Daniels. Oh, shit. Fly away home, 101 Dalmatians. Oh, yeah, the live action version, yeah, that's... You should have known picking arachnophobia. I mean, oh, I, I couldn't favorite. get. A, I was thinking David Arquette. I couldn't get eight-legged freaks out of my head. <laughs> yeah. That's wrong. That's oh damn it! That's an awful film. But the yeah. Jeff Daniels in arachnophobia. Yes, straight away. I'm pleased with that oh, one. Owen's taking an early lead. Pressure's on next week. Oh, yeah. Straight off the back of the uh, first pictures of Dumb and Dumber Two being tweeted by by him and Jim Carrey. So. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. Oh, it's actually in production then. Wow. Yeah, they've um, they've um, been tweeting pictures of themselves dressed up as Harry and Lloyd in in character. So, excellent. It's uh, it's on. Cool. And hopefully, it will live up to expectations. The expectations are pretty low, though. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, it exceeds. Hopefully, it's just not terrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, that kind of brings us on to news, doesn't it, Steve? Oh, well, did you see what I've done there? It was all, it was all related. I've done that on purpose. Okay, so the news is? The news is, James, it was Emmy Awards night, wasn't it? It was. Uh, this weekend uh, we had the Emmys, and it's you know, it's the, the television Oscars, basically. Uh, it was a very interesting night. Um, the first night at the Emmys where... Netflix and streaming kind of made an impact. They didn't pick up any of the major awards, but just getting nominations for shows like um, House of Cards uh, on Netflix is is a fantastic achievement, and it just shows how serious that those companies are. Uh, Breaking Bad picked up the the Best Drama Award, but it did miss out on a couple of the acting awards. Uh, big, quite a big shock, really, that... Uh, Brian Cranston didn't go home with the Emmy for Best Actor, and it was Jeff Daniels, uh, the aforementioned Jeff Daniels, who picked it up for uh, his part as Will McAvoy in the brilliant Aaron Sorkin drama, The Newsroom, uh, and I really recommend anyone who's not seen The Newsroom yet does. What I will just say, though, just want to pick up on uh, one of our kind of favourite films of the year so far, and it was a film here, it was a TV movie in America on HBO, Behind the Candelabra, the story of um, Liberace, with Michael Douglas's Liberace and Steven Soderbergh's last, mo- well, technically his last motion picture, um, uh, 
Base, that picked up best uh, TV movie or miniseries, and Michael Douglas picked up best actor in a TV movie or miniseries, and I think that is hugely deserved. Incredible performance, actually. Oh, and you, um, I think we both we've both spoken about mm. it on the podcast before, but yeah, you know, he really drives that whole film, doesn't he? He has to because I don't yeah. think Matt Damon's that good in it. <laughs> I think it, yeah. the film does rest on Michael Douglas's performance, and he, yeah, I mean, he is just brilliant in that. One of one of my favourite performances of the year, I think, in any yeah, case, and yeah. and it's just it's really weird because I don't remember Liberace that well. I do remember him just about from my youth. I remember him being about, but it, it's it's incredible because Michael Douglas just makes you believe that he is he is Liberace. It's just a really intoxicating performance. Yeah, um, I think the, the the key there is not. Some, I mean, I don't really remember Liberace at all. But what I do know is that my, you forget that it's Michael Douglas, which I think yeah. is credit to him. A lot of big stars. I mean, Brad Pitt would be the most obvious one where most of the films he's in, it's like it's Brad Pitt playing whoever character. Yeah. But in that, I mean, you definitely just. You can't believe it's still Michael Douglas at some point. So no. I think he's just um, phenomenal, isn't it? So well deserved. Yeah. The other, the other news, um, which doesn't seem to have been picked up much in the British media. Um, I don't know if it's because it's a writer or it's a woman. Uh, either way, uh, only one British success on the night, despite loads of awards for any everyone connected with Downton Abbey. Um, I've still never seen that. It doesn't really have any kind of draw mm. for me, I'll be honest. Um, but Abby Morgan, the uh, playwright and now film screenwriter who co-wrote, uh, who wrote, sorry, Shame, also wrote The Iron Lady. She picked up uh, Emmy for Best Writing uh, on a drama series uh, with The Hour. I think it was Best Writing Drama or Miniseries, uh, The Hour, which the BBC has cancelled. I didn't realise. I've never got around to watching The Hour. Uh, it's just picked up an Emmy, and the BBC have already cancelled it. Um, so almost says, as if they were copying America, cancelling yeah, the good programs before they really get going. the good programs, exactly. Um, yeah, it's it's a real shame that uh, yeah, it's it's clearly a, a well liked program just by not enough people. So that's a shame. It does make me think that yeah, I, I do wish we had an equivalent of. HBO or Showtime or AMC in this country. Um, I suppose there just aren't enough people to justify it or something. But Well, I mean, Sky are, are giving it a go, I think. They're trying to produce mm. their own programmes. They started with a lot of comedy stuff. Yeah. But, you know, panel shows like True. League of Their Own that are drawing in a lot of um, viewers for them. But they use comedy with a lot of those loosely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, they, they're trying. Yeah, and I think, yeah, if they... I mean... I don't know how far they will uh, go into producing their own dramas, but I mean yeah. they've made they've made Mad Dog, which has gone into about four series now, which True. I've never seen, but is that should have been cancelled after the first one, though. Sure, <laughs> I, I watched the first one and I quite liked it actually. Four good actors I've, that I I've, enjoy. I've heard it. It's it's you know it's not the it's not going to be like The Sopranos or anything like that, but it's enjoyable and it's you know good fun without being. Yeah, I've no idea how they got three extras out of it though I, I it was one of those where um you come up with a good idea for a tv series and do it and it's quite popular and then somehow you've got to come up with bizarre and random reasons to get those characters back together and extend mm. that story and you see that sometimes with american tv as well um you know homeland for example i'll be honest gave up after the first series of homeland um and that seemed like a really good idea for a twenty. 
for 24 episodes or however many episodes it was. It wasn't that many, was it? But it seemed like a good self-contained story. And then it's, they've got to come up with increasingly preposterous reasons to keep that whole thing going. Um, the BBC do quite well with a lot of their um, lot of their dramas. Um, they've obviously got Luther, which has been a massive success. Um, Life on Mars, Ash, Ash, uh, Ash to Ashes. Um, Doctor Who obviously keeps getting renewed, and that's gone pretty yeah. in America again now. So the BBC do pretty well. Spooks was pretty pretty big as well. Was that and Channel, yeah, Spooks, 4, was Channel, Channel 4 did quite a few good ones recently. I mean, um, what was that sort of post-apocalyptic thing they did? Um, the Charlie Book... Oh. Uh, Dead Set they did. That was really yeah. good. Yeah. And they did uh, Black Mirror. I've, I've really enjoyed Black Mirror whenever that's been mm. on. You know, they've been there, there, are, there are definitely British networks, channels trying it. There's not one that's devoted to just that kind of there's nothing that's been that's pumping money into it like HBO. And, and, no, and, and the thing then, is, and then the size of British television and exactly and the British British population, there's not really anyone that can justify it. You know, America, Although, America, when you look at the viewing figures of these cable shows, they only get three or four million viewers in America. They, you know, Breaking Bad gets three or four million viewers for each episode in America. Um, but you know, it, they, they, for me, it's about the funding. It's it's the funding thing. Everything that happens in Britain has to get the ratings or it gets axed. The reason the hour got axed is because of ratings. Now, in America, because of the, you know, because you subscribe to a particular channel, so you subscribe to HBO, they don't care how many HBO subscribers actually watch that program as long as HBO subscribers keep at a decent level, mm. uh, which is why, not to not to the same extent as say a network, because networks rely on advertising, and so they need to have the numbers. Um, cable don't, which is why the newsroom got uh, renewed. It didn't have great numbers the first year, but HBO didn't need to worry about that because as long as HBO's subscription numbers were high, and what I think might help with Britain is if Netflix start inf- investing in some British talent because Netflix. Uh, are this are this new great model? They're not even telling people uh, how many viewers Arrested Development had or House of Cards. They're saying it doesn't matter. We don't need to know how many people watched it. We just need to know that it had a positive effect on our overall subscription numbers. Do you know what the problem um, is? Pe- people are idiots and they're quite happy to watch. <laughs> some... That that is the problem with a lot of things, Steve. But they're quite happy to watch some D-list celebrity open a tin of beans on Celebrity Big Brother than watch some good television. Without those programmes that draw in people watching them, you know, they're they're made relatively cheaply. No, because if something else is on instead of it, they'll watch that instead. And if it's good telly, they've got no choice to watch good telly. I don't know if they would. I mean, if they're going to put shit mind rot on in front of them, that's all they'll watch. But you know, something like Coronation Street which gets, you know, a huge number of people watching it, and it's on all the time, that brings in enough people for advertising for them to start trying to create other TV programmes. So, you know? so are you basically saying, Owen, that without... Um, well, I don't watch this either of the particular programmes I'm about to mention. If there wasn't Jeremy Kyle, you wouldn't have Downton Abbey? Quite possibly. They well... Because they, they I, I, the money, I see the, you know. I see the economic point that Owen is making. Um, they are cheap and they draw in advertisers. Exactly. Um, but uh, but do you know what? That's what ITV's for, in my yeah. opinion. ITV can do that. What disturbs me is when BBC start going down, and they have. 
when the BBC, the BBC shouldn't care about viewing figures. The BBC, they are our HBO, essentially. They get money from us, regardless of what they put on. So they can start, they should be, there should be a mandate for them to go, we need to provide something that Sky don't provide, that ITV don't provide. Um, the other thing, I've got no problem with Coronation Street, because you know what, that's, that's actually, that's professional, that's narrative drama, that's, um, they're paying actors, they're paying writers, they're paying TV professionals to make a The things I've got an issue with are The Only Way is Essex, where where we're basically paying people to be dickheads on TV. No, that, that's paying, what I've got. There's, no, there's moral people. issues on it. No, you're not paying yeah. people to be dickheads because then they'd be actors. You're paying dickheads. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very, very good point. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that, you know, I've got no problem with reality TV done properly. There's a fantastic documentary on Channel 4 at the moment, Educating Yorkshire, which is about a school. Um, and, yeah, that's, that's what... Rea- to me, that's reality TV. That is going in and looking at a reality of something you might not understand, you might not have experience of. Interesting reality TV works brilliantly. Um, well, the first series the only of way Big Brother to... was... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, then, you know, but then they stopped kind of... They stopped kind of getting like just normal people into the house as a social experiment and then they went out of their way to get the biggest weirdos dickheads and mongs they could to put in the house because yeah. they knew it would cause arguments and that that's the same um i used to quite enjoy come dine with me I, i'll be honest i'll put my hand yeah. up i used to quite enjoy it there was an element of they actually talked about the meal that when it was originally on in the daytime they actually like showed them going out shopping planning their food there was an element of a cookery show on there all, there was that element of social... to know like they always seem to be on first name terms with like the butcher or the greengrocer they were going to. Oh yeah, that that, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, but that it was it was you know it was these are normal people putting on a house uh, putting on a dinner party. But then, like you say, as soon as things get a bit popular, unfortunately, there are coked up TV executives who seem to think that all the public want are characters. And no, we actually. It it, it just frustrates me because I I I tend to agree a little bit with Steve's point in that people consume whatever ends up getting put onto. I think we treat, I say we, I think the networks treat the television audience with disrespect and thinking that they want shit on their screen. And I think, I agree with Steve, I think people will watch anything. And so if you put something good on, I think people will watch that. People used to watch TV by the hundreds, by, by the millions. Um, regularly in the kind of 80s when there were like people three would channels wa- exactly there were there was very little choice and people would watch like 20 million people would watch something yeah okay stars it might be in their eyes. Uh, <laughs> no I, not 20 million people didn't watch stars in their eyes but um well they might, they might. <laughs> yeah but the fact is there were i i honestly think there was in terms of homegrown TV, there was a lot. There was some quality control back then, and there just doesn't seem to be. Oh, maybe I'm just getting old and cynical. <laughs> that's maybe that's the case. Optimistic view on the world. That's very. If you, if you don't put if you don't put crap on and you only put good TV on, people have to watch it. Or else, what else are you going to do? Yeah. Well, that's, that's, they're not, not going to get off their ass and go outside, are they? In the same way that if people started just making only good films, people would still go and see them. People wouldn't be going, oh, I wish, I wish people were making more films like Battleship. 
people wouldn't be sat there bemoaning the lack of battleship. I, yeah, I but think it's, it's on the same token, if you if you on a Saturday night from sort of six pm till nine pm decided the only two channels you're going to show everybody, everything else gets switched off. The only things that are going to be on are BBC Four and what? Sky Arts <laughs> One. People aren't going to watch it. Well, people no, will watch it. But what but else, what the else would numbers. they do? I think there is pop. I think there is popular. There, I think there is a good populist TV. The BBC used to do good populist TV programming. ITV used to do good populist TV programming. I, I think the problem is there's plenty of stuff on, kind of that's good, later on, in the day, kind of, say nine o'clock, ten o'clock onwards. But there isn't much on like, what you'd consider prime time. It's good, I suppose between six and nine. When like a family could sit down and watch a, a really good program together, there isn't much fun like that anymore. Well, you say that, but the the there's maybe some, you just don't watch those things, Steve. There's, there's so much the variation is, in channels, though. Yeah, and, even and, you, the, and you. Yep. Sorry, carry on, Jack. Sorry, I was just going. And now I'm going to switch points because I'm just playing devil's advocate for fun here. Um, <laughs> millions of people watch Miranda, for example. I think it's a hideous program. I hate it. I hate that program. I don't think it's funny. Millions of people watch it, but millions of people watch it and genuinely like it. They do gen. They're not programs like that. They are watching because they genuinely like it. Mrs. Brown's Boys. People watch it because they genuinely like it. I I hate it. Who are we? But I can't argue with that. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I cannot argue with. Yeah, there is and there is genuine trash TV which shouldn't be on, but. Yeah, and that I am seriously talking about the only way is Essex. I, I think there is no moral excuse for that being on our television screens. I think it's a hideous abomination of television. But, but people watch it. People, yeah, that I, I, yeah, but they're kind of people I think should be sterilised. And you know, I, seriously, anyone who watches the only way is Essex in general, I've, I've, they're, they're morons. If, they, if, they go, I, if you I, go on Jeremy Coe, should be taken around the back of the studio and shot at the end of the show. Yeah, I wouldn't quite go that far. <laughs> this <laughs> is turning. I mean, by the end of it, we're going to be saying, "What?" Well, and we'll this ban is... this race of people, and we'll yeah, yeah. No, not 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 a race I mean, of people. Just, just <laughs> the kind of people who who go on Jeremy Kyle, who want to put their pub their problems out in public for the whole country to see, and be manipulated by some puppet master pretending to be doing it for your own good, but he's not. He's doing it his own selfish gain. Take him well, on the back and shoot him. Yeah, but these... This Emmy's news got a bit out of hand, didn't it? Yeah, yeah I mean... <laughs> oh, I don't know where we're going with this anymore. I think I've we no idea. We're going for a break, arguments. and then we'll be back after a break with um, a, a kind of ad hoc, flung-together triple bill. So, yes, this triple bill of sorts is just a look ahead to the autumn, um, which is replacing what we've been watching this week. So, you know, what... let's just say that um, what we're, there's no what we've been watching this week because me and Steve have been too busy playing Grand Theft Auto and Owen's been lazy for once. So I'm just going to come out and say it. Yeah. So sorry. we're really unprofessional. Four films this week and only, only four. One of them was one of them. Actually, I watched one earlier today, which was really good, but I won't go into it. We'll, we'll okay. skip over that. That ruins the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, um, look, look, look ahead. Look ahead. Look, look ahead to some films and TV shows that you should be watching <clears throat> this autumn. Um, so, James, why don't you start us off with yours then? Okay, I'll start us off. Um, I've gone for three films. Uh, I've gone for one in October, one in November, one in December. 
Um, two of which could be bad. I don't know, but I'm excited to, about them. Um, the first one is actually out in just a couple of weeks. It's out on the 4th of October in Scotland only for a week, and then it's out in the rest of the UK. It is the new film um, based on an Irvine Welsh book. It's Filth. Um, stars James McAvoy, uh, Eddie Marsden, Jamie Bell, and Imogen Poots. Now, what interests me about this, firstly, the trailer just... I was quite in your face um, and it was it was unlike anything I've seen in cinema this year uh, as those of you who haven't seen the trailer it's quite uh, it, you'll only see it before kind of 15 and 18 films it's quite it's quite rude let's be honest um, now what I found quite interesting is I read an interview Danny Boyle was talking about James McAvoy um, earlier this week and on the Trans Press tour um, apparently Danny Boyle said that the the editor of Trance had seen a rough cut of Filth and said that it was an absolute tour de force performance from James McAvoy but at the time he wasn't sure that anyone would ever get to see it because he didn't think the film would see the light of day he thought it was no one's going to let this out because it's just it's wrong in lots of ways it's Based on the Irvine Welsh book of the same film, apparently one of his darkest novels, it's the story of a bent copper, uh, played by McAvoy, suffers from serious substance addiction, mental health problems, um, and he's just a bit of an arsehole, basically, by the look of it. Uh, Eddie Marsden is in it as a kind of straight copper who gets turned to the dark side. Uh, Jamie Bell plays against type and a kind of coked-up junkie, I think. Uh, and Imogen Poots is also a, a copper on the force who feels the the lecherous finger of uh, McAvoy. From the trailer and reports coming from the production, I would say one thing this film won't be is boring. It could be bad. It could be tasteless. It could be terrible. I don't think it will be boring, though. Um, but, Steve, you, 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 you've you not got high hopes for this at all. I don't like look at the trailer. I think it looks pretty bad. I mean, you can't, like I've said before many times, you can't really base a lot of a film around the trailer, especially if it's a, a more adult film, if it's, you know, a 15 yeah. plus, especially when you're seeing a trailer on telly or even in the cinema, they have to kind of tone it down because, you know, for a different kind of audience, maybe. So, like I say, you can't often tell much from a trailer, yeah. but, yeah, it doesn't look good to me. It just doesn't look, you know, particularly engaging or interesting, but that's just my opinion. Uh, it, it, Irvine Welsh has apparently come out on record to say that James McAvoy's performance is better than that of De Niro in Taxi Driver, which is wow, right. that's set, that's, that's amazing, brave, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it sounds um, a bit to me like it would be comparable, less so to Taxi Driver, more to something like Bad Lieutenant, you know, with Harvey yes. Keitel. Yeah, or possibly <laughs> the um, the Werner Herzog Nick Cage, or yeah, uh, which I've not yeah, seen version of it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be along those kind of lines. It's going to be mental, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to it simply because I'm I like to be a bit surprised and shocked when I go. And the one thing I'd hate to be is bored when I go to the cinema. So that's my first choice. My second choice is The Counselor, out on the fifteenth of November, directed by Ridley Scott. Um, the script is a spec script. The first. Um, uh, spec script from Cormac McCarthy who wrote the books um, and and then the screenplays for No Country for Old Men and The Road. It stars 
the fass. Um, and it's basically, it looks like it's a kind of modern day attempt, a, a form of Carlito's way, something like that. Basically, Michael Fassbender is a lawyer involved in the drug trade and he eventually gets seriously involved in a deal that goes wrong and shit happens uh, from there. It also stars Penelope Cruz, Cameron Diaz, uh, Javier Bardem and Brad Pitt. The first trailer's out. Looks interesting. Um, you know, for a start, it's Ridley Scott combining with his Prometheus star and official failed critics favourite, Michael Fassbender. Like Filth, though, this is far from being a surefire hit or even a great film. I liked Prometheus a lot. I know that we like, you know, I know you two liked Prometheus a lot as well. But let's be honest, Ridley Scott hasn't given us a truly great film, in my opinion, since Gladiator. Can he pull it off here? Um, he, his, one of his great skills is world building, and we're not going to get that here. This is a modern day thriller. Uh, however, looking at the cast, looking at the screenwriter, if it all clicks, if it all falls together, um, in in my wildest dreams, we could have a, a kind of usual suspects for for this generation, and that's that's what I'm hoping for. Now, Owen, I know this was nearly on your list. Yeah, partly because of it being um, Ridley Scott, partly because it's Cormac McCarthy, and partly because it's got Fassbender and Javier Bardem in it. Um, yeah, you know, it just seems like a perfect concoction for uh, a, a, what should be a good film, really. It almost seems a little too convenient and perfect, though. That's yeah, but, which is why I think it could be too much of a good thing. You know, you've got a yeah. too too many. Um, I don't know. It seems a bit naive, perhaps, but I just think if you've got that that much expectation on a film, mm. it could perhaps backfire a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. which is as it did with a lot of people for Prometheus. Yeah. I, I, you know, I enjoyed Prometheus, but a lot of people massively hyped that up and ended up disappointed and hopefully this will come a little bit more under the radar it's certainly not coming with that level of hype yeah but i mean there's a few ridley scott films like you mentioned since gladiator he just hasn't Mm. i mean um kingdom of heaven i wasn't that keen on uh american gangster i thought was a bit so 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 i mean it's yeah it's interesting to see what he actually does with it i'm I'm intrigued by it but yeah less optimistic i think than than perhaps you sound yeah yeah yeah, um, I'm, I've not picked Gravity because we've spoken about Gravity quite a bit on this podcast already, and I think it's pretty much in most people's lists of films that they absolutely have to see. Uh, just to say that I'm definitely going to go and see it in 3D because apparently the 3D is really immersive and very impressive for this. So my final pick, which is out in December on the 20th of December, the same day as Anchorman 2, which I am excited about, but I'll be honest, this is this should be the film I was hoping that Silver Linings Playbook was going to be. Um, David O. Russell, been really busy, director of Silver Linings Playbook. Less than 12 months after we released that, he's got uh, American Hustle in the can. Um, Really highly anticipated. I wasn't the biggest fan of Silver Linings Playbook, I'll be honest. I thought it was an intelligent romantic comedy, but I I thought it was a bit flimsy in places, I'll be honest. Uh, held up mainly by its great performances, but uh, Russell is a director that I like very much. Um, yeah, from the underrated Three Kings, which I, I really enjoy, was one of the first DVDs I owned. That and Gladiator were the first two DVDs I owned. Um, and I Heart Huckabees, I think, is I Heart Huckabees is the the great Wes Anderson film that Wes Anderson never made. Um, 
and, and right through to The Fighter. I love, you know, The Fighter's an outstanding film as well. And here he teams up with alumni from The Fighter in Christian Bale and Amy Adams and Silver Linus Playbook with Bradley Cooper, Jennifer Lawrence and Robert De Niro. And the film's actually based on the real-life FBI abscam investigation, which became a sting targeting corrupt politicians in the mid to late 70s. So you've got a bit of an Argo feel going on here as well, because it's set in the 70s. It's about a real life government investigation. So there's, yeah, it. Uh, we said uh, last week we thought that Rush was kind of this year's Argo. I think this is another one making a play for this year's Argo as well. Uh, bit of Boogie Nights styling as well. If you have a look at the trailer, it's a really good trailer, and then, you know it's got the 70s music just right. It's got the look. Christian Bale looks. Uh, it, I'm just already massively impressed by his. Just in the trailer, he looks like he's carrying this film brilliantly he plays a con man who the fbi decide to employ to try and sting you know uh, put a sting operation to try and find corrupt politicians uh jennifer lawrence plays his uptight wife and amy adams plays his british apparently kind of partner in crime bradley cooper plays the fbi agent putting it all together i think this could be a lot of fun and potentially this could be one of those late kind of runs for Oscar buzz, uh, especially after a lot of people think David O. Russell has missed out quite often. This could be the one that kind of takes him over the edge. So that's my three anyway. Hmm. Owen, your three. Um, Well, I'll get the most obvious one out of the way, first of all, shall I? Um, Thor The Dark World, I think, would be one of my um, most anticipated films of the autumn. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's not directed by Branagh this time. It's directed by a guy called Alan Taylor. Um, but it's basically the direct sequel to Thor, the first film, and following the events of the Avengers Assemble film. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems quite interesting. Uh, I'm not really convinced completely by the trailer, but I just have a lot of faith in the film anyway. I think Chris Hemsworth Mm. has, has got a bit of momentum now. Um, you know, he's been banging form for the last few films I've seen him in. Um, and I love his Thor. And he I, is, I genuinely love his Thor. He is very good as Thor. I think that's what makes the films work so well, because he's just perfectly cast for that role. Um, also, I mean, the, the screenplay is written by a guy called Christopher Yost as well, who probably doesn't sound familiar to a lot of people, um, but he's a, a comic writer. So, I mean, he's got his hand in, in comics. He's written for Marvel um, he wrote a series I really enjoyed called Red Robin, which was just, um, which was fantastic. So, I mean, I've got a bit of faith that he's going to pull it together. And, of course, we've got people like Tom Hiddleston, who's back. Um, oh, Loki back. Yes. Yeah, I'm really excited about seeing Loki on he's screen brilliant. again. Yeah, Natalie Portman, who I quite like as an actress as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, Idris Elba's apparently back in this as well. And yeah. Christopher Eccleston plays the... Um, the main bad guy. So, oh, okay. yeah, I mean, it, it should be quite good. It's a bit more fantasy than the other one. The, the first mm. film dealt with a lot of fantasy elements, but also with real world stuff. Yeah. I think this is a bit more dealing with um, There's Asgard. There's a lot more on Asgard this time. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, um, I don't think I need to say a lot about it, really. It's going to make a, at least 100 million, probably a lot more, just because it's um, the, new, the new Marvel film. But, um, yeah. yeah, so I'm quite looking forward to that. I have to. I'm I'm looking forward to that as well. In terms of the blockbusters, that's yeah the the one blockbuster I'm really looking forward to actually because 
I love the first one, and outside the Iron Man films, I think Thor was my favourite of the the Marvel kind of single character films. So, got high expectations, definitely. Yeah. Okay. My um, second choice is uh, well, I've got I've got to pick a horror film. I think we've got October coming up very quickly. Um, the season for good horrors, supposedly. So, um, yeah, out in the uh, 18th of October, I think it is, Friday the 18th of October, is the Kimberly Pierce film, Carrie, the remake of the original 1976 film. Um, do I really need to explain the story to Carrie? Do most people know what Carrie is now? Surely most You've people You've got to should. expect, yeah. Have you both seen the original? I have. Yeah, excellent. I really like 70s horror film. It, yeah, it's my favourite decade of horror definitely and it's uh it, it's a really nasty film actually yeah. isn't it that brian de palma brian original de palma, yeah, that's pretty right. horrible <laughs> it is yeah very i mean it's just very uncomfortable to watch isn't it and it, yeah. it's obviously known for what was just a fantastic um ending and sissy spacek yeah. who was um academy award nominated for her performance yeah um so yeah the, there's a lot of uh pressure on them to get this remake Right. Um, Kimberly Pierce, I mean, we shouldn't really talk about it um, because, you know, we're in the year 2013 and everything. But, you know, it's interesting to see how a female director gets on creating a film like this. I know it shouldn't be the case, but I think it is quite interesting. Um, Still can't help. No, you're right, though, because we still don't have very many female directors at all. And it it is a talking point. And, And I do think, actually, Carrie is quite a a feminist story it is anyway yep. so it will be really interesting to see how because brian de palma let's be honest is not uh, he's not misogynistic but he's not exactly well some he's not feminist, would argue. I think. he's definitely not a feminist yeah. and i think this will be a different this will definitely be a different take and it will be interesting for that to see that take yeah it will um you know how far towards being um you know, making Carrie into even more of like a sympathetic character mm. or whether they go down a different avenue will be um, interesting to see what happens to it. But Carrie herself will be played by Chloe Moretz Grace, who is probably known mostly to, pe- to most people yeah. as Hit Girl from the Kick-Ass films. Um, yeah. She's a great actress. I think she's... Uh, she's brilliant. Yeah, already. So there is a lot of expectation on her individually. Um, which, and is it Julianne Moore as her mum? Julianne Moore will be yeah, mom, yeah. I like Julianne Moore a lot as well, so I, I think that's good. The trailer looked quite intense as well. So Yeah, I mean, we've already had one big um, classic horror film remade this year with Evil Dead, mm. and I thought they did quite well with that. Um, obviously, it was never going to be as good as the Bruce Campbell, Sam Raimi film, but that was still quite good. So, um, you know, I'm, it's made me feel a little bit more um, open to, to a remake of Carrie. I think it'll be uh, interesting to see how they get on with that. Uh, and like you say, from the trailer, it looks quite good, and you can't really go wrong with that story. Um, no. Although I did watch a made-for-TV film, which was a, a sort of remake of that film, Ooh. which was not fantastic. Um, but I won't go into that one. Cause <laughs> but um, yeah, so my final choice is a film which I don't really know what to expect from. Um, I'm mainly picking it because it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt's directorial debut, uh, a film called Don John, where he plays um, surprise, surprise, a New York, uh, sorry, a New Jersey guy uh, with his New Jersey <laughs> accent, who's 
uh, addicted, or sort of addicted to watching porn, and he does a lot of weights and stuff in the gym, um, and he meets his supposedly true love, possibly true love, uh, who's played by Scarlett Johansson. Um, it's a sort of comedy drama um, that was, uh, yeah, I mean, like I say, I don't really know entirely what to expect from it. The trailer makes it seem a little bit amateurish, but I've got faith. I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt so far has proved everyone wrong when they thought, was he going to be a good Hollywood actor? And I think he is. I think he's a very good actor. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's interesting to see what he does with the uh, being the other side of the camera. Um, yeah. Although he's on both sides of the camera in this, he couldn't resist casting him. So <laughs> maybe it was just cheaper. But um, yeah, he did. Um, it did well at Sundance. It was at Sundance uh, and Berlin yeah. Film Festival, I think. Yeah. Um, no, I'm looking forward to seeing that as well. Uh, Scarlett Johansson's doing a couple of real kind of indie films at the moment, which is great to see yeah. when. Because uh, she's in that, and she's also in a film which nearly made my list, which, again, could be terrible, but sounds mental. And I've got, um, We've mentioned Under the Skin, the Jonathan Glazer film about mm. an alien driving around a van in Scotland and sucking... <laughs> yeah, we've already... But she she's in that as well, so she's also... It's really great to see that some big, huge Hollywood actors are happy to go and push themselves in independent cinema. I think it's I think fine it's... when, you know, without being too cynical, when they get yeah. films like um, The Avengers where they play Black Widow and they make yeah. a lot of money from it. I'm sure it's much easier for her to just go off and do a little indie film, say, in Scotland. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know. but she doesn't have to. That's she just does, it. And yeah. there's some people that just genuinely don't bother. Exactly. So um, just, yeah. and, it, and I'll be honest, you know, it looks to me like that shoot for Under the Skin was pretty... <laughs> pretty intense actually <laughs> so she would have been through quite a lot to film that yeah. so fair fair play to her no excellent thanks Owen. yeah it's due out on the 15th of november so um it's it's playing at london film festival it's playing, well. at, fact, yeah. it's really playing at london film festival yeah so uh, we'll see okay surprised owen didn't go for the um still best as the lone arnold schwarzenegger film escape plan that's out on it <laughs> Yeah, I was also thinking about the Luke Besson film that's out with um, <coughs> De Niro in it. What? Luke Besson's got a new film out? Yeah. I missed that. It's about, a, I forget the name of it now, but it's with um, Robert De Niro who plays a, like a an ex-mafia guy who's in witness protection and sent to Paris. It's sort of like a comedy and it looks, <laughs> it looks a bit naff, but... It's Luke Besson and Luke it's Robert Besson, De Niro. Yeah. So. Exactly. Oh, I'll be watching that regardless. Yeah. yeah. And Luke Besson's another one of those. I've never been bored by one of his films. I've, you know, yeah. There, there's been some terrible ones, um, especially some of the ones he's produced, like Taxi produced, 3, for yeah. example. Anyway, um, um, Escape Plan. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's, it's not one of my picks. I just wanted to bring a couple of things to people's attention. Right. It stars Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jim Caviezel, who I think is it was Jesus once, um, 50, 50 Cent and Vinnie Jones. So, I mean, it's a high-caliber cast. But, yeah. right, Sylvester Stallone plays Ray Breslin. Breslin is a structural engineer who is wrongly convicted of a crime and is serving his sentence in a maximum security prison, right, which is of his own design. What, that's, that's a plot hole there. Do you know no, what? No would... one would sentence someone to a prison that they designed. And that make that completely contradicts what I've seen in the trailer, which is apparently. See, this 
this is weird because it makes you think that there's been a shitload of rewrites and stuff like that. Because the trailer I've seen is he's not sentenced. He's put in there. Uh, basically, he's a, he's an expert at getting out of prisons. Okay, he, ha- he is an ex-con. He's got out of prisons, but now he's gone straight. And someone builds a new prison and wants him to test it. They want to make sure it's escape proof. And so he goes into that prison. But while he's in there, they delete all records of him going in there voluntarily. And he's actually in there as a prisoner. And then he's got to try and escape. And he didn't actually build it. But Arnold Schwarzenegger... See, this is, this is bad because it means that something's you know, gone you know, horribly wrong even worse. of this. It's not, it's not an autumn film because it's, it's out on, in, on Christmas Day in America. So probably January here. Oh uh, no, it's not. It's not even a different film I'm talking about. Oh, right. Sylvester Stallone, Robert De Niro play ex-boxers who um, who used to have a rivalry, and 30 years on, they end up reigniting that rivalry. Um, Is he not bothered to call it Rocky? <laughs> no, no, it's, 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 not, it's Rocky meets Raging Bull without having without, without having, having Rocky or Raging yeah. Bull. Yeah. Like the he's really using his mm-hmm. he's really using his second chance well, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he's making as many films as he can before people stop paying him money again. Anyway, uh, my recommendations are um, two returning TV shows. I went TV shows from a maverick and played by no one else's rules but my own. <laughs> um, but it's two returning TV shows and one new one. But there are other things, you know, the Agents of Shield that starts this week and will run through the autumn. There's a Doctor Who 50th anniversary special, which everyone hopes will be amazing. Um, it, it might not be. Good chance it won't be, but there we go. It'll be, it, it, it'll be, just be, it'll be fun to have a load of different Doctors in there. That, that's just a waste. I love it when they do that. I love the old ones where they have like five of them on there for no fucking reason whatsoever. They're great. Um, there's, there's the final season of How I Met Your Mother, which has drastically gone downhill. Are we finally going to find out how he met the mother? I gave up on it. We finally find out how he met his mother, or like I'm predicting that he's got a different voice to to Ted in the show because he's actually mad and he's imagined everything. That I'd like that. Yeah, it's the only that would be good. Yeah. Um, but anyway, The Walking Dead is back for its fourth season. It's one of the most watched shows in America. Uh, the first season, only six episodes, like AMC do of a few shows was really good. The second season, a bit of a letdown. But the third season, introducing the governor as the main villain, come back as a bit of a, um, a well, a return to top form um, with, you know, a, a really good sinister villain and some, you know, good characters and some impressive zombie-related killing action. Um, so, yes, that'll be back for its fourth season. And um, this trailer does look really good for that, with some new characters coming in, uh, some of them from the comics, which is... Um, yeah, really I mean, the, the, com- the comics are brilliant, so it'd be interesting to see how... Because so far, the TV series, although it's followed similar stories to the comics, it has changed things, you know, so it's 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 recognisable as The Walking Dead, but you never really know which way it's going to go. So uh, did you say set- you read the comics as well? I've read the comics. I've not read probably the last three or four, but I've read all okay. of them. I'm not quite up to date with it, but I am. So, yeah, so, I mean, you're probably expecting the same as me, which is that <laughs> you sort of know which direction it's going to go in, but no idea how it's going to get there. Yeah, because I thought season three would end in a different way. Yeah. And not, <laughs> um, and can't, you know, can't really say much more than no, that. No, you can't. <laughs> but but it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. In in the comic, this, this well, the governor 
his story would have come to its conclusion by now in the TV show. They're running parallel, but they've taken it on a step, and it's interesting to kind of see how they're going to work that. Yeah, because... I think partly it must be because you know how they test things with audiences over there, and if it's come back that they really like one particular character, well then. But he keep... he, what, he was really good. He was a, as a mm-hmm. protagonist. He was he was very sinister and very meticulous and, and pretty evil and ruthless. Yeah. Uh, the other show that is returning, although James has already slated it today, is Homeland, <laughs> which is back to the third season, um, carrying on from um, the end of the last season where um, there was a big in, uh, big terrorist attack that killed, I think, 200 people um, in the US intelligence set-up. Um, and Nicholas Brody is a wanted man on the run, uh, and they are looking for him and looking for answers as well. If it can keep up, it's, it's quite hard, I suppose, to keep up the level of intensity that it did in season one and season two. So hope, season two obviously wasn't as good as season one, but it was still very good television. It's just interesting to see where they go with it now, and can they keep up this level of intensity and you know interest, or will it go the same way as other TV shows that have really gone downhill rapidly, like Apple mentioned Dexter and Heroes. Hmm. Never got on with Homeland. I watched the first few episodes and just didn't do anything for me. I had the same problem, you know. I just, I just, and maybe it was because it was kind of sold to me as a spiritual successor to Twenty Four, mm. but a bit more realistic. And then I spent four or five episodes going, nothing's happened. It's just her going mad. I stir my nothing, and I, I stopped watching it. I'll be honest. I, I stopped watching it because I was just getting really annoyed with it. Yeah, I mean, I, but, I like da- uh, is his name Damien Lewis, the ginger. Damien Lewis. I liked him in it. I liked um, I liked Claire Danes in it. I like I liked the characters and um, uh, uh, Soul uh, thingy. Yeah, uh, uh, guy from Princess Bride. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mandy Patikin. Um, I, I liked what they were doing with the characters. I just didn't. I, I just didn't get on with the narrative of it. Mm, same. Um, and the final program I'm recommending, or um, I've not seen any of yet. It's a new show. The first episode was aired tonight as we record, but I, admit, I missed it because I was out, but it'll run for you all, so I'm going to catch up with it on iPlayer later, and, and I'll talk about it if it's any good or not next week. But it is called, <laughs> it is called The Wrong Man. It's on BBC Two, written by and starring uh, James Corden and Matthew... Um, Banton, uh, he was um, he was in Gavin Stacey's kind of a bit part character. He was also in Horrible Histories and co-wrote some of that. So um, fantastic in that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they play um, two council office workers who get mixed up in um, a, 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 a crime conspiracy. Um, it's, it's only six episodes long, like most BBC sitcoms are. But the trailer looks really good. Um, James Corden is is pretty good as a writer and when he's not himself when he's acting he's actually pretty good he's very likeable um, and you know, he plays some good roles it's just when he's being himself that he could be a bit irritating but that might be just be down to when he was everywhere for, for a little bit couldn't get him off the bloody telly yeah. I love the story that Rob Brydon had to phone him up and tell him to stop being such an egomaniacal dick on TV all the time <laughs> <laughs> apparently he calmed down after that yeah, but, um, yeah. But, but when he when he writes and when he acts, he, he is very likable. 
He can be very. I mean, the character of Smith, Gavin and Stacey's brilliant television, um, and the character of Smith is very good. And when he's done the comic relief specials of Smith, he's been very good. Um, I've not seen too much of Matthew Banton's work other than watching a lot of horrible history, which is aimed at kids, but it's brilliant. So yeah, I think I can be let off of that. But yeah, <laughs> it's it, the reception so far from from critics has been pretty good as well. So hopefully I'll be able to report back in a positive manner next week. Good. Um, yes, that's our uh, awesome preview done. Up next we'll have some um, reviews of new releases, um, The Cool, Diana and Prisoners. So first new uh, release will be... Um, will be reviewing, uh, or Owen will be reviewing as he went to see it at a special preview. When's it out, Owen, for general release? Friday, this this week. Friday. Uh, is uh, Prisoners, and here's a clip. I recognise these girls. I didn't see them. May I sit down? What do you do near me? Answer my question. You sleep there. You sleep in there? You were sleeping out there? Mm. In the day? Why was the RV parked outside the house? Mm. I went for a drive. You went for a drive? You weren't driving. I know for a fact those girls were playing outside your RV. You weren't driving. It's parked. Was it a special day? Were you planning on taking two old girls? No. Have you done that before? No. Did you ask him to come inside? No. You asked him to come inside the RV and then you take him away? No. Did you put those girls somewhere? Yes, it's Come down. on. Did you put those girls somewhere? Don't touch me. I know you put those girls somewhere. So that was it of uh, Prisoners. So, Owen, why don't you tell us all about that? Who's in it? What it's about? And was it any good? Uh, okay. <laughs> Who's in it? It was directed by Denis Villeneuve. I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's um, a French-Canadian director. Uh, who's in it? Um, Jake Gyllenhaal is in it. Hugh Jackman's in it. Um, Terence Howard is in it, apparently. Uh, Wayne Duvall. <laughs> There's quite a lot of people who you'd probably recognise from a lot of different things. Um, is it any good? Yes. Is it worth watching? Yes. <laughs> Hesitantly. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it is a very... It, basically, okay, the story goes that there's um, a family, small family, um, two families, their daughters go out to play. There was a weird, like, camper van in the area recently. Um and then their kids, the two girls, go missing. So the family, um, obviously, inform the police. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is the detective who's in charge of the um, investigation. He arrests the guy who owns the camper van, and then the whole story plays out like a murder mystery. You don't really know what happened to the girls. You don't really know if the guy he arrests um, is responsible or not. And you kind of get the impression that you know what's happening all the way through and every so often, every sort of, you know, like every good murder mystery, every sort of 5, 10, 15 minutes, there's something that happens that makes you rethink what you already knew. So, yes, like I say, it is quite a good film in that sense. Um, it is very tense uh, and it, for what is quite a mainstream um, film, it is very dark as well. I mean, it definitely goes to some very dark places. You, um, I, I mean, whilst I was watching it, in my mind, I was comparing it to um, The Hunt from last year with Mads Mikkelsen in it. Yeah. 
um, because it deals with slightly similar themes about, you know, um, it's slightly different in The Hunt in that he's accused of doing something to kids, whereas in this it's, you know, there's a guy who's accused of perhaps abducting the kids and you don't really understand what's what's going on. Um, but in where that's quite clever and it's very allegorical, this just, it doesn't really have that kind of depth to it. It's the sort of film you can imagine if it was released 10, 15 years ago, um, it would have people like Harrison Ford in it and it would have uh, Richard Gere and Jodie Foster, that kind of cast. It's very much a standard thriller, but it's done very well. Um, and like I say, very dark. There are some very uncomfortable torture scenes in this. Hugh Jackman is pretty fierce uh, in a few scenes. It's quite impressive, actually, how... Um, how just he flips from one being quite sort of calm uh, straight into being really sort of angry and upset, just as you would imagine perhaps someone whose daughter has been kidnapped would be, actually. So, I mean, he puts in a really good performance. But the star, to, for, for my money, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. I think Jake Gyllenhaal is just fantastic. Uh, he, he plays like the detective, um, but he plays him so well. He's got this um, demeanor about him where, yeah, okay, he doesn't like his boss. He tells his, you know, tells the chief to go fuck himself a couple times, and you know. <laughs> it, but he's just, um, you've got, you've got the impression he's got his, he knows what he's doing. He's good at his job. Uh, he knows when someone is lying. He knows um, when someone's telling the truth, and it just makes the emphasis on Hugh Jackman's uh, character. Um, just that bit more uh, suspect. You know, at the same time, you put yourself into the, the character's shoes throughout the film. Uh, particularly, you know, if you, you would probably see Hugh Jackman as the, um, I don't want to say hero because of the stuff that he does in the film, but you, you see him as the most identifiable character because you can think, if I was in his position, would I be doing what he's doing? Mm. Um Whereas Jake Gyllenhaal is the character you watch who you think is trying to bring some kind of reason and logic to the story, which is great. Terence Howard as well. He's all right. I mean, he, 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 yeah, he's just all right in it, really. He's a bit mopey and he cries a bit. And, you know, <laughs> everyone gets their own turn to do their, their bit of acting in it. Viola Davis, who um, was uh, fantastic in a um, film from last year, which I really uh, enjoyed called The Help. Uh, was it? Might have been 2011 that came out, but um, she she yeah. was brilliant in that. She, again, she puts in a good performance, but she's just every like I say, everyone gets their own little clip where they they have to do their bit of acting. I haven't mentioned him at all yet, but I'm going to mention him now. Paul Dano or Dano, mm. don't really know how you pronounce his name. I think it's Dano, but yeah, yeah, he's the slightly um, retarded, maybe retarded, slightly um, not all together. Uh, guy who's accused of stealing the children mm. um, right. and he you know he's, he's spotty, he's greasy haired he's got the glasses of a paedophile you know that, yeah. <laughs> if you if you told the Daily Mail to do a, you know, a description yeah. of what they thought the, the worst paedophile in the UK looked like they would draw what Paul Dano looks like in this and it, yeah, okay so it's a bit stereotypical and he's not playing a very um uh, original type character, but he, he again he puts in a, a, just a fantastic performance throughout the film. 
some of his lines maybe let him down a little bit, but he does, you know, more than adequately with what he's given. Um, so, yeah, like I say, performances throughout, fantastic. I'm not sure it's going to be a film that win any awards. It's not one of those kind of films. It's just a really tense thriller that keeps you um, guessing throughout, and it's a bit twisty. It lets itself down a little bit with the last 20 minutes. Um, it sort of falls apart like most mystery films tend to, I think, unless you've got a really good one. It's, it, yeah, so the, the, I'm not going to explain any any of the twists or what happens, but the last 20 minutes just sort of lower your expectations for what's going to happen. Um, but, it, I mean, yeah, it keeps you gripped, which is quite surprising for what is unreasonably a two-and-a-half-hour-long film. I was going to say I saw the length of it and thought, that that's put me off immediately. If it, yeah, I I need something pretty damn special to spend two and a half hours watching a film. Yeah, and I mean, it doesn't sound like it's that special. It's, it's yeah, it's it's weird because I was <clears throat> I was gripped whilst watching it. I have to admit <clears throat> there was perhaps only once or twice where I thought, how long has it been now? How how far into the film am I? But there's no point in it where you're just sitting there yawning, clock watching, waiting for it to just hurry up and finish because it's you know it's um. Uh, they do cram a lot into the story. It, it's just the shame that it is two and a half hours. It didn't need mm. to be two and a half hours. Was, there, was, the were... plot, was the plot predictable? You know what happened, the twists and whatever in the in the case. Was it predictable? Or was it? Um... See, now that's a very good question because it purely depends on what you pick up on in the first first twenty minutes, and then how you interpret how that's going to. Inf- affect the story see i thought it was going to be really predictable i thought i'd picked up on something and then it does the very typical thing with these kind of films it's structurally where it makes you go ah but what you thought was going to happen didn't happen (laughs) but then at the same time what you did literally see happen makes you go but yeah i i know i know that i know what's good i know what what he's thinking i know what he said and i know what's gonna end up occurring but then, at the same time, like I say, it just twists and turns all over the place. So, mm. not in it's not predictable, but it's not entirely, um, not entirely unpredictable either, in a good way, you know. Okay. Uh, so that is Prisoners. I am reviewing The Call, which is a new release um, in cinemas, but you can also pick it up on Brazilian Netflix if you have access to that kind of technical know-how. Um, but anyway, it stars Halle Berry. It's made by WWE Entertainment, and you think <laughs> you, you kind of think, why is this Oscar-winning actress doing a film made by Vince McMahon? Um, but there you go. It is actually it, well, okay. It's about um, Halle Berry plays Jordan Turner, who is a nine one one operator. So she's the person who picks up the phone when you phone nine one one, and. At the start of the film, she answers the phone to a young girl who is at home on her own and someone breaks in. She advises the girl to go and hide herself upstairs. She does, and the in the uh, the intruder is about to leave, but the phone cuts off. Jordan phones this girl back, gives away her location. She gets kidnapped, eventually murdered. So then you skip forward six months. Halle Berry's character, Jordan, has now um, come off of you know the phones because... She's been affected personally by her cock up. She can't deal with it anymore. But she trains new recruits. While she's training recruits, showing them round. One of the newer people on the phone 
gets a call they can't deal with. Um, it's a girl who's been kidnapped, so she jumps back on the phone, takes it over, ends up realising it's the same guy who killed this other girl. Um, <clears throat> for the first two thirds, it is a good kind of tense um, kid, you know, standard, nothing doing nothing new with the with the, the genre, but it's it's quite tense. You don't know how it's going to turn out. Um, kidnapping film. The the bad guy is quite good. He's he's obviously got a motive, um, which I won't reveal. It's a bit of a a spoiler, but he he is mental. He is unhinged. Um, he's he's got a plan and knows how he wants to do it. But things go wrong, and he can't deal with things going wrong. So it obviously escalates, and he has you know he's he's he drives him to do more bad things. Um, it's the it's the last the last third of the film. It goes a bit silly um, because Halle Berry's character ends up going to look for the girl herself rather than keep her on the phone and keep communicating with her that way, which it doesn't ruin the film, that part of the film. It's just, it just, it's a bit of a stretch, but it's, it works fine still. Um, my only problem with it was it was the last scene, which was, which was stupid, but unfortunately, what, what do you reckon? Should I tell you all about it? Are people really going to... No, no, uh, no. Let's just... You just give them as much of a warning as you can, but you know some okay. people might watch. It, I still might watch this. It, you know, it's, it's a good film. Um, it's certainly enjoyable. It'll, it's only an hour and a half long as well, which which is which is pretty good because you know Owen just said that the film he watched, Prisoner, <laughs> you know, was 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 too long. Um, and so it's an enjoyable film. It's not it's not too stretched in terms of length. The plot isn't too stupid. Um, it, it's kind of believable. The performances are okay. They're not exceptional. The best one is Michael Eklund, who plays the um, the killer. He, he he's kind of the best performance in it. Um, but it's, it's just the last scene that annoyed me. Um, and once you watch it, you'll know what I mean. But um, but the film in general is quite good. It just probably raises more questions about Halle Berry's career than anything, because people. People are looking at this thinking, what is Halle Berry doing in a film made by WWE Entertainment? They're not, they're, and they're not kind of thinking, well, this could be a, a good film um, anyway. But honestly, she won. Is Halle Berry a good actress, or was her or was her Oscar a one-hit wonder? She's not a good actress. <laughs> I never really because rated her. She won. She won her Oscar in two thousand and one for Monsters Ball. Since then, she's um, well, she, she won a Razzie as well. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, she was in, spectrum. She was in. She was in Die Another Day. Um, she's been in the X-Men. worst Bond ever. She's been in the X Men films. Um, she done Gothica that I've not seen. Uh, Catwoman, which was absolutely terrible. Um, I mean, Swordfish she was. In, was terrible. Oh yeah, Swordfish was before. She's got topless in it, though. Swordfish was out before Monsters Ball, though, so, I mean... Yeah. Um, um, she was in Cloud Atlas, but one of the worst people in Cloud Atlas. She was in Movie 43, which was terrible. She was all right. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, you can't hold that against anyone in Movie <laughs> she 43. In but... She was in New Year's Eve, which has seemed to me a failed American attempt to recreate Love Actually. Um, and Dark Tide, which is a film about sharks. So, I mean, she, was, she was also in Last Boy Scout. She got murdered yeah. quite early on, but she was in Last Boy Scout, so she's she got a little in, bit. Of a she was in 
she was in the Flintstones playing Sharon Stone. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I mean, why not just get Sharon Stone to play that character? <laughs> makes perfect sense. But anyway, it just appears to me that she's actually not that good an actress and the Oscar was a, was a one-off. But but people will confuse, you know, mix up their opinion on going to see this film because I think Halle Berry's in it. She used to be good, but she's crap now. But this film is is, is watchable and it's enjoyable, but it's, it's not the greatest film you're ever going to watch, but it's by me not bad. Yeah, I don't know. I I'll probably avoid it anyway, because, partly because it is Halle Berry. I know what you're saying, and you know that's that's fair enough. But I just don't like watching her in films. Yeah, it's Halle Berry, really. Yeah. And then and then you'll be able to get on with the film fine. Um, James, you went to see a a film this week. Yeah, I did. Right. First off, I'm just going to say, um, none of us got around to watching R.I.P.D. Um, it's had very, very mediocre reviews. Just think um, Men in Black with Ghosts. That seems to be what's going on there. Uh, but yeah, the film I went to see. Um, firstly, I don't, unlike some people, I don't enjoy putting the boot into films generally. I don't go to films to hate them. Um, and I don't, I, yeah, I, I don't like to completely slag off films. But some films are so bad that they need to be hung, drawn and quartered and their decapitated heads need to be stuck on spikes outside of cinemas to warn filmmakers and moviegoers, here be monsters. Um, I went to see Diana. Um, I went, I'll be honest, a little bit, <clears throat> you know, cards on the table here. I went to see it knowing full well that it has had an absolute slating from the critics. It's got a 7% rating, I think, on Rotten Tomatoes, or it did last time I looked. Um, it's got a 4.2 rating on IMDb. I went with that expectation. That cannot help but colour my judgement of it. Um, but that could have helped it. It could have been better than I expected. It could have done something to be better than I expected, but it didn't. Um, first off, Let's yeah. You've got to look at the talent involved in this. I was stunned when I was just doing a bit of research before I went. It's directed by Oliver Hirschbiegel, who directed Downfall. Okay, so this is from the director of one of the most critically acclaimed world cinema, German, you know, German films of the last ten years. A fantastic film about the last days of Adolf Hitler. Okay, so we've got a director who at least has, at some point in his life, has created an incredible film. Um, it stars Naomi Watts. I'm a big fan of Naomi Watts. I like Naomi Watts a lot. She, I thought she was very good in The Impossible earlier this year. I've liked her in a lot of films she's been in. 21 Grams, uh, Mulholland Drive. Okay, they've got a big star here. Music, uh, David Holmes. I, I really like David Holmes. All right, so, let's, unlike, say, Sharknado from earlier this year, this is people who know how to make a film and know how to do these things well trying to make a film and the fact that they fail so miserably is more upsetting to me um, than than these films where people aren't even trying Uh, what I will say it opens up in laughable laughable circumstances obviously it's about the last few years of the life of of Princess Diana, the Princess of Wales um, mainly following her divorce from Charles and her love affair with a doctor 
um, uh, a heart surgeon and not Dodie Fired. And it kind of, it's meant, its whole tagline is um, sometimes there's more than the legend or something. I don't even know. It's, oh, God, I hated it. There's no clip for this film uh, because all the clips that I can find online are trailers and the trailers are just iconic images of Diana Watts as Diana with music played over the top of it. There's literally no dialogue. And the reason for that is the dialogue in this film is the worst dialogue I have heard in a film for years. Not not just months, not just this year. It is so, it is the worst script. I it's it's worse than those made for TV true movie type films. Everything about it is just horribly wrong. For a start, it's got no narrative flow. It is literally people walk into a room, impart some information to the plot, and then walk out again. And then cut scene. It is, hello, I'm here to tell you that you're going over there today. Bye. Walk out. It is just <laughs> horribly, horribly clunky. And then, it, so you've got that. It's just loads of exposition mixed in with things that are meant to be profound. And I, do you know what? I'm, I wrote down some examples while I was in the cinema watching this, just to give you an idea. So at one point, Diane is talking. She actually says the, the words, um, what if I can't receive love? Yeah. Oh my wow. God. Yeah. What? Because her yoga guru, acupuncturist—I don't know. I didn't get what loads of people Witch in the film doctor. did. Yeah. Right. Played by Geraldine James. Some. I. She's Irish though, so she's clearly you know got some mystical powers or something. It's the way it felt. Um. She's she's talking about. Oh, you're so good at giving love. And Diana goes, Yeah, but what if I can't receive love? Cue stirring music. Oh, she's got a terrible sense of you. at points. They're trying to like give you this idea that obviously she's close to her sons, but they have they're not brave enough to try and cast anyone as William and uh, Harry. So they have her on the phone to them, and she's like, "Oh, don't shoot any corgis, Wills." As if like uh, it's like, and that's like, "All oh, right, so oh, we know he's staying with the Queen because she's got corgis." It's that clunky and horrible. Who would have you cast po- as, as Wills and Harry? Um, <laughs> I. I, I I struggle to uh, think. The ginger, um, ginger one from Harry Potter as both of them. It's fine, done. As both of them. Yeah. Okay, that's nice. Give nice one day with him. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Um, at one point now, the the heart surgeon that she falls in love with, she's talking to him about how he does his job. I don't know how you could do it up to like nine hours. And he, at one point, seriously says the line. It gets to a stage where you don't perform the operation. The operation performs you. What? It makes no fucking sense. He turns into some kind of yoga Yoda character. Absolutely nonsense. And then she's having a conversation with her. Get it right. Okay. So he's a heart surgeon. It's quite important. In fact, wait. She at one point before their first date, she sends out her butler Paul Burrell to go and buy her a copy of Grey's Anatomy, <laughs> uh, the book, not a box set of the TV series. <laughs> Flicks it open. And like the camera just pauses and lingers over a shot because she's flicked it open on the section that's about the heart. All oh, right, because you know it's about love and stuff who, like that. Who, who Can to, she who feel has love? Suffer playing Paul Burrell. Um, it's some bloke who's been in some British TV. It's probably you know him himself, Paul Burrell. Isn't it? Paul Burrell. Yeah, that would have been perfect. He comes out of this really well, actually, which makes me think it was possibly written by Paul Burrell. It is. It, it almost. <laughs> It feels like it was written by someone heavily involved 
in the life of Diana, not in that insightful way, just like they wrote it, and then she did this, and then she did this. Um, yeah, she's having dinner with the heart surgeon, and she actually, this is a question she says to him, so, hearts can't actually be broken? Oh my God, it, I, I want to vomit it was horrible and then later on that night this is how unrealistic it is remember this is in the mid 90s um he decided he's watching a football match and it's just like it's really kind of like middle class it, actors tr- pretending that they like football watching a football match and like shouting oh no oh go on shoot kind of you know go on and score a goal type thing and one point, you can't give liverpool that much space they'll walk right through you i was like well that's not fantastic <laughs> This was the Roy Evans era Liverpool. They didn't walk through anyone. They were shit. Um, wow. So uh, there's a half man was... half biscuit lyric called uh, "Darts in soap operas." Wrong, oh so wrong. I think that applies to football <laughs> in yeah. middle class. Yeah, uh, it was, yeah, it was, and and then it's just the way it. What you would hope is that a film like this would try and evoke some sense of the mid 90s you know that this was a slightly different era it doesn't it do, it feels like it was it feels like it's today the only thing they've done is they've got slightly older cars um i was noticing things like costa coffee cups and stuff going well actually was costa even around yeah you know, and it was there's been no sense of content they're not trying to build up um any sense of the time and the world and things like that um and then there's just outright lies and manipulations. Like, for example, Diana gave a very famous interview to the BBC when she talked about there being three people in her marriage. And she's talking about Camilla Parker Bowles which is to the BBC. And as far as I it was watched by a lot of people. But in this film, at one point, they're, they're in a pub. And the pub is crowded, standing room only, like an England match of people watching the Diana interview. I'm sorry, that's bullshit. That didn't happen. In no, in no universe did anything like that happen. And it's the same when she dies at the end. Spoiler alert, dies in a car crash. Um, and she died in the middle of the night, didn't she? Mm. Now... It happened, and it's really symbolic. It focuses on the clock, 4.17, and her lover, who has she's spurned at some point, wakes up, and his phone's ringing at 4.17, and he looks out the window, and across London, lights are turning on, because people's phones are ringing. It's like, no, people weren't ringing each other at 4 o'clock in the morning. People woke up, normal people woke up at 8 o'clock in the morning, and went, oh, oh God, that's a bit worrying. You know, I remember this happening. The, 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 the entire nation didn't wake up at four o'clock in the morning and have to ring everyone they know about. The, she wasn't, guess what? She wasn't that important. Okay. Um, I, think I remember waking up. I was a kid and really annoyed that Kids TV had been cancelled. Mm. Yeah, exactly. It was on BBC One and BBC Two. And I thought there's no reason for it to be on both channels and me to be missing whatever kids programme I wanted to watch. Exactly. Um... And then there's other bits which it, it tries to show her being normal. And there's this stirring music that comes on every time she does something normal, like make beans on toast on her own and stuff like that. Um, is, it like, it, is it like the um, the kind of happy music they play at the end of uh, the EastEnders episode where someone leaves? No, it, it's really kind I'm of... I'm imagining like, the uh, Dawn of the Dead music, you know. <laughs> that would have been perfect. <laughs> she's making beans no, it's on all, toast. It's almost like bloody chariots of fire or something when she's making some beans on toast. It's, <laughs> it's absolutely... Now, what I will say is Naomi Watts 
her performance in isolation is pretty decent. Um, there is a kind of goofiness about her character. There's a sweetness about her character. And if this was just a story about a generic princess who is trying to find love with nor- a normal person, trying to, you know, that kind of, or that Notting Hill style thing, you know, the way that Julia Roberts in Notting Hill is, an, you know, she's trying to get away from the press and the paparazzi. Right, that might work. I get no sense of her being Diana, though. I, and she actually looks a bit like her, but at no point am I watching it going, God, that's just like Diana. And in comparison to what we were talking about, Michael Douglas and Liberace, um, with him, you forgot it was Michael Douglas, even though yeah, I've got a very small memory of Liberace. Oh, and you've got no memory of Liberace, really, but you believed him as Liberace. Um, in this, it's, I'm just... It's Naomi Watts. I don't believe her as Princess Diana, especially when she starts doing a funny Scouse accent on the phone to try and get through. To, it's just, oh god, it, it's really bad. And one of the worst bits about it is the fact that this is a director who has made a brilliant film, yet there is no cinematic flow. There, it is functional. It is purely as if someone's handed someone in the street a camera and said, "Make a film." And they've gone, right, well, I need to get this scene in. Right, I'll just stick this camera here and then we'll film someone talking and then we'll cut. And loads of scenes just cut in really weird ways. The editing is all off. And the one thing that summed up how just pathetic it was as a film, and it is the kind of film that, again, Owen was talking uh, about Rush, saying there was these bits that you could see being parodied by French and Saunders. Uh, you know, like there were little kind of, a, this film is entirely, I could see bits of, th- this film, if French and Saunders were still doing those movie parodies, this is exactly what they would be parodied. And it is like they've done it in some places. And there's this bit where she's leaving her Paris hotel room and you know she's heading down to the car where she's eventually going to die. And her and her team walk down the, a corridor and then they'll just stop and look back towards their hotel room, and the music stops, and the camera does a weird kind of Hitchcock reverse zoom thing, and then she walks off, and it's like, what? That, are you saying that she knew she was going to die? What What are you actually trying to say with this? It, it's just making a point that no one needs... Oh, it made me so angry. I laughed out loud at so many lines which weren't meant to be laughed out loud at. Um uh, one of the great bits, it's got an Art Malik cameo. Art Malik plays a fa- you know, family member of Hasnat, her heart surgeon lover, and basically Hasnat has to choose between his life as a doctor and wanting to marry Diana. Um, okay, so Art Malik, his family friend who's come to London to visit him to impart this nice bit, you know, this news to him, say, no, you need to choose one or the other. Where do you think they meet? They're family friends. Where do you think they meet? Apparently... Um, he pulls up alongside Hasnat in a car like a spy, for, like something from 24. Hasnat gets in, has that conversation, then gets out the car and walks off. It's like, hang on, you've flown across from Pakistan and you've just met him randomly at the side of a street like you are from Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. <laughs> and it's just full of stupid moments like that that just made me hate it so much. It's a hateful, crass film. Um, it really doesn't deal with her death very well at all it doesn't actually look into it talks a little bit about the work she wanted to do around landmines but doesn't actually really go into um 
how that was important, what she really achieved or anything like that, apart from a little scrolly bit of text at the end. It is crass, it is exploitative, and most important, it is just so badly made and badly written. Um, I, I, I used a free ticket for it, and I felt ripped off. It's still it's two hours long, horrible filmmaking, absolutely ghastly atmosphere about it, and honestly, it could end careers. This film is so bad. Wow. It won't end Naomi Watts' career, but Hirschbeagle's going to really struggle to come back from this. And he's just pissed his... In, all the credibility from Downfall, he's just pissed up the wall with this. I've no idea what he saw in the project. I, I just can't help but think people were blackmailed into doing it. Horrible, horrible film. They, sh- they should have got Mohammed Al-Fayed to leave the project on it. Yes, he if if it had been written by Mohammed Al Fayed and um, and uh, Matt Lamborn, one of our contributors, um, thought that at one point I think he thought that it w- I was talking about Rampage or something. I can't remember what was going on, but we got to into a conversation about how Uwe Boll should have directed this to a Al, Al Fayed script. That is gold. <laughs> this is sh- utter turd. And on that note, we'll have a quick break and be back with what to, what to watch next week. So, Owen, what are you recommending to watch this week? I'm picking a film that's been added to uh, Netflix UK. Um, it was one that we, that I, I don't know if anybody else watched it on the podcast, I can't remember, but I definitely went to see it earlier in the year. Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters, um, has been added. Just a short film, 88 minutes long, stars, uh, Jeremy Renner and Gemma Arterton, directed by the guy who did Norwegian horror film Dead Snow. Um, and it is trashy and it is a bit silly, but it's uh, a good fun action fantasy horror sort of film. I'd, I'd recommend it. Okay. Cool. Uh, on film for Friday night, uh, sorry, E4, uh, Friday night, 9 o'clock, Cloverfield, one of the better found footage films. Okay. It's not a lot on terrestrial TV this week. Okay. And uh, James? Uh, yeah, it's already been mentioned earlier, but um, uh, this week is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. starts on Channel 4, Friday night, 8 o'clock. It has been created by Joss Whedon. Uh, which means it's going to be awesome because the man can't do a thing wrong in my eyes. And it also, spoiler alert, stars Clark Gregg um, as Agent Coulson well, as well. Seen, if you've seen a trailer for it, and if, you, and if you've watched TV this week, you will have seen a trailer for it. Yeah. That's been spoiled for you already. Yeah, exactly. Well, the, the thing, and it's understandable because they've built it around him because it, it, it's a really lovely story about how basically he went from a, a kind of two-line character in Iron Man to become this cult hero in the Marvel Universe and during that scene in Avengers I, I, I was genuinely upset and so I'm glad they found a way to continue the great work of Clark Gregg as Agent Coulson um, very much looking forward to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and I know I won't be able to pick on, up on all the uh, Easter eggs and things like that but apparently there will be loads of hints and references to the Marvel Universe which those who kind of read the comics will want to keep an eye out for. Did you see that um, Barack Obama tweeted Stan Lee after watching the Avengers and said that um, 
if Phil isn't revealed as either in the next film, I might misuse my power as president. <laughs> That that's pretty awesome. Uh, apparently, um, yeah, Stanley. That they're, they're very uh, open to a Stanley cameo in Agents of Shield as well. So that'll be they've, they've something else to keep an eye out for. In there, haven't they? In the, in the pilot, as, as Maria. Yes, Hill. as uh, Agent Smith is it? Mira, well, she's Maria Hill, isn't she? Hill, the Hill. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, Agents of Shield. Joss Whedon. It's going to be funny. It's going to be. It, yeah, it's going to be great fun. Be lots of people from the Marvel universe as well for the geeks to get involved in, I imagine. So, I'm sure. Um, that's all for this week's Fail the Critic podcast. What's up next week, James? Next week we have got reviews of uh, Runner Runner, the new Ben Affleck, and is it is it JT? Is it Timberlake now? I can't yeah. really remember. Yeah. Um, so we've got that uh, as well as a chat with. Our own Matt Lamborn uh, as our resident poker expert to look at the true story behind Runner Runner and also think about a few of the best and worst poker stroke gambling scenes in films. Also, hopefully got a review of the new Woody Allen film uh, starring Kate Blanchett in potentially Oscar winning form, uh, Blue Jasmine. Excellent. So uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, you can find uh, us on Twitter at Failed Critics. Um, we're on Facebook as well, under the same name. And you can find the website at www.failcritic.com. I'd like to thank everyone for listening and everyone who contributed. The Failed Critics are James Diamond, Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, with original music provided by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. You can find us at failedcritics.com, at Facebook at facebook.com slash failedcritics, and on Twitter at at failedcritics. It seemed to me Jerry lived his life like a candle in the wind. Always ranting on the podcast about people he hated. And God, we're gonna miss him and all his northern wits. His candle burned out long before. His legend ever did. Cool. Hopefully, it will live up to expectations. The expectations are pretty low, though. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, it exceeds it. Hopefully, it's just not terrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, that kind of brings us on to news, doesn't it, Steve? Well, did you see what I've done there? It was all, it was all <laughs> I've done that on purpose. Okay, so the news is? The news is, James, it was Emmy Awards night, wasn't it? It was. Uh, this weekend uh, we had the Emmys and it's you know, it's the the television Oscars, basically. Uh, it was a very interesting night. Um, the first night at the Emmys where Netflix and streaming kind of made an impact. They didn't pick up any of the major awards, but just getting nominations for shows like... Um, House of Cards uh, on Netflix is is a fantastic 
achievement and it just shows how serious that those companies are uh breaking bad picked up the the best drama award but it did miss out on a couple of the acting awards uh big quite a big shock really that uh brian cranston didn't go home with the emmy for best actor and it was jeff daniels uh the aforementioned jeff daniels who picked it up for uh his part as will mcavoy in the brilliant aaron sorkin drama the newsroom uh, and I really recommend anyone who's not seen the newsroom yet does. What I will just say, though, just want to pick up on uh, one of our kind of favourite films of the year so far. And it was a film here. It was a TV movie in America on HBO, Behind the Candelabra, the story of um, Liberace with Michael Douglas's Liberace and Steven Soderbergh's last, mo- well, technically his last motion picture. Um, uh, basically, that picked up best... Uh, TV movie or miniseries and Michael Douglas picked up best actor in a TV movie or miniseries and I think that is hugely deserved. incredible performance actually oh and you um I think we both we've both spoken about mm. it on the podcast before but yeah you know, he really drives that whole film doesn't he it? has to because I don't yeah. think Matt Damon's that good in it <laughs> I think it, yeah. the film does rest on Michael Douglas's performance and he yeah I mean he is just brilliant in that one of one of my favorite performances of the year I think in anything, yeah, and, yeah. and it's just it's really weird because I don't remember Liberace that well. I do remember him just about from my youth. I remember him being about, but it, it's it's incredible because Michael Douglas just makes you believe that he is he is Liberace. It's just a really intoxicating performance. Yeah, um, I think the, the the key there is not. Some, I mean, I don't really remember Liberace at all. But what I do know is that my, you forget that it's Michael Douglas, which I think yeah. is credit to him. A lot of big stars. I mean, Brad Pitt would be the most obvious one where most of the films he's in, it's like it's Brad Pitt playing whoever character. Yeah. But in that, I mean, you definitely just, you can't believe it's still Michael Douglas at some point. So no. I think he's just um, phenomenal in it. So well deserved. Yeah. The, other, the other news, um, which doesn't seem to have been picked up much in the British media. Um, I don't know if it's because it's a writer or it's a woman. Uh, either way... Uh, only one British success on the night, despite loads of awards for any everyone connected with Downton Abbey. Um, I've still never seen that. It doesn't really have any kind of draw mm. for me, I'll be honest. Um, but Abby Morgan, the uh, playwright and now film screenwriter who co-wrote, uh, who wrote, sorry, Shame, also wrote The Iron Lady. She picked up uh, Emmy for Best Writing uh, on a Drama Series uh, with The Hour. I think it was Best Writing Drama or Miniseries. Uh, the hour which the BBC has cancelled I didn't realise I've never got around to watching the hour uh, it's just picked up an Emmy and the BBC have already cancelled it um, so almost says, as if they were copying America cancelling yeah, good programmes before they really get going good programmes exactly um, yeah it's, it's a real shame that uh, it's, it's clearly a, a well liked programme just by not enough people so that's a shame it does make me think that you know a, I do wish we had an equivalent of HBO or Showtime or AMC in this country. Um, I suppose there just aren't enough people to justify it or something. But Well, I mean, Sky are, are giving it a go, I think. They're trying to produce mm. their own programmes. They started with a lot of comedy stuff. Yeah. You know, panel shows like True. The League of Their Own that are drawing in a lot of um, viewers for them. But they use comedy with a lot of those loosely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, they, they're trying, no, and I think... Yeah, if they, I mean, I don't know how far they would uh, go into producing their own dramas, but I mean, yeah. they've made they've made Mad Dogs, which has gone into about four series now, which True. I've never seen, but is 
That should have been cancelled after the first one, though, surely. <laughs> I, I watched the first one, and I quite liked it, actually. Four good actors I've, that I I've, enjoy. I've heard it, that it's, it's, you know, it's not, not going to be like The Sopranos or anything like that, but it's enjoyable, and it's, you know, good fun without being... Yeah, I've no idea how they got three extras out of it, though. I, I, it was one of those where... Um, you come up with a good idea for a TV series and do it, and it's quite popular, and then somehow you've got to come up with bizarre and random reasons to get those characters back together and extend mm. that story. And you see that sometimes with American TV as well. Um, you know, Homeland, for example, I'll be honest, gave up after the first series of Homeland. Um, and that seemed like a really good idea for a 20 for 24 episodes or however many episodes it was. It wasn't that many, was it? But it seemed like a good self-contained story. And then it's, they've got to come up with increasingly preposterous reasons to keep that whole thing going. Um, the BBC do quite well with a lot of their um, lot of their dramas. Um, they've obviously got Luther, which has been a massive success. Um, Life on Mars, Ash, Ash, uh, Ash to Ashes... Um, Doctor Who obviously keeps getting renewed, and that's gone pretty yeah. big in America again now. So the BBC do pretty well. Spooks was pretty pretty big as well. What was that? And Channel yeah, Spooks 4, was... Channel, Channel 4 did quite a few good ones recently. I mean, um, what was that sort of post-apocalyptic thing they did? Um, with the Charlie Book... Oh. Uh, Dead Set they did. That was really yeah. good. Yeah, and they did uh, Black Mirror. I've I've really enjoyed Black Mirror whenever that's been on. Mm. You know, they've only done. There are there are definitely British networks channels trying it. There's not one that's devoted to just that kind of. There's nothing that's been that's pumping money into it like HBO. And and the thing is, and then the size of British television and exactly and the British British population. There's not really anyone that can justify it. Although, when you look at the viewing figures of these cable shows, they only get three or four million viewers in America. Breaking Bad gets three or four million viewers for each episode in America. Um, For me, it's about the funding. It's it's the funding thing. Everything that happens in Britain has to get the ratings or it gets axed. The reason the hour got axed is because of ratings. Now, in America... Because of the, you know, because you subscribe to a particular channel, so you subscribe to HBO, they don't care how many HBO subscribers actually watch that program, as long as HBO subscribers keep at a decent level. Mm. Uh, which is why, not to not to the same extent as say a network, because networks rely on advertising, and so they need to have the numbers. Um, cable don't, which is why the newsroom. C- got uh, renewed. It didn't have great numbers the first year, but HBO didn't need to worry about that because as long as HBO's subscription numbers were high, and what I think might help with Britain is if Netflix start investing in some British talent, because Netflix uh, are this this new great model. They're not even telling people uh, how many viewers Arrested Development had, or House of Cards. They're saying it doesn't matter. We don't need to know how many people watched it. We just need to know that it had a positive effect on our overall subscription numbers. Do you know what the problem um, is? People are idiots, and they're quite happy to watch. <laughs> some... that, that is the problem with a lot of things, Steve. But they're quite happy to watch some D-list celebrity open a tin of beans on Celebrity Big Brother and watch some good television. But Damn you, straight, without Steve. those programmes that draw in people watching them, you know, they're, they're made relatively cheap. No, because it's... If something else is on instead of it, they'll watch that instead. And if it's good telly, they've got no choice to watch good telly. I don't know put... if they would. 
I mean, you if they're going to some... put shit mind rot in, on in front of them, that's all they'll watch. But, you know, something like Coronation Street, which gets, you know, a huge number of people watching it, and it's on all the time, that brings in enough people for advertising for them to start trying to create other TV programmes. So, you know? so are you basically saying, Owen, that without... Um, or I don't watch this either of the particular programmes I'm about to mention, if there wasn't Jeremy Kyle, you wouldn't have Downton Abbey. Quite possibly. They, well... Because they, they go in the money. I see the, you know. I see the economic point that Owen is making. Um, they are cheap and they draw in advertisers. Exactly. Um but, uh, uh, but do you know what? That's what ITV's for, in my yeah. opinion. ITV can do that. What disturbs me is when BBC start going down... And they have. When the, BB, the BBC shouldn't care about viewing figures. The BBC, they are our HBO, essentially. They get money from us, regardless of what they put on. So they can start... They should be... There should be a mandate for them to go... We need to provide something that Sky don't provide, that ITV don't provide. Um, the other thing, I've got no problem with Coronation Street because you know what? That's that's actually that's professional. That's narrative drama. That's um, they're paying actors, they're paying writers, they're paying TV professionals to make about the things. I've got an issue with are the only way is Essex, where where we basically paying people to be dickheads. On TV, no, that, that's paying, what I've got. There's, no, there's moral people. issues on it. No, you're not paying yeah. people to be dickheads because then they'd be actors. You're paying dickheads. <laughs> that's a very, very good point. Yeah, yeah, and that that you know, I've got no problem with reality TV done properly. There's a fantastic documentary on Channel Four at the moment, Educating Yorkshire, which is about a school. Um, and yeah, that's that's what rea- To me, that's reality TV. That is going in and looking at a reality of something you might not understand, you might not have experience of, interesting reality TV works brilliantly. Um, well, the first series the only of way Big Brother it. was... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, then, you know, but then they stopped kind of they, they stopped kind of getting like just normal people into the house as a social experiment, and then they went out of their way to get the biggest weirdos, dickheads and mongs they could to put in the house because yeah. they knew it would cause arguments. And that, that's the same. Um, I used to quite enjoy Come Dine With Me. I, I'll be honest. I'll put my hand yeah. up. I used to quite enjoy it. There was an element of... They actually talked about the meal. That when it was originally on in the daytime, they actually like, showed them going out shopping, planning their food. There was an element of a cookery show on there. But they always, there was but they that always seem to know... Like, they always seem to be on first-name terms with like the butcher or the greengrocer they were going to. Oh, yeah. That makes <laughs> sense. Yeah. But... That it was, it was, you know, it was. These are normal people putting on a house, uh, putting on a dinner party. But then, like you say, as soon as things get a bit popular, unfortunately, there are coked-up TV executives who seem to think that all the public want are characters. And no, we actually, it it, it just frustrates me because I, I, I tend to agree a little bit with Steve's point in that people consume whatever ends up getting put onto. I think we treat. I say we, I think the networks treat the television audience with disrespect and thinking that they want shit on their screen. And I think, I agree with that. I think people will watch anything. And so if you put something good on, I think people will watch that. People used to watch TV by the hundreds, by by the millions. Um, Regularly, in the kind of 80s... When there were like three channels. Exactly. There There was very little choice and people would watch... Like twenty million people would watch something. Yeah. Okay. It might be. 
no, I, not twenty million people didn't watch Stars in Their Eyes, but um, well, they might. They have might. Some, <laughs> yeah, but the fact is, there were. I I honestly think there was. In terms of homegrown TV, there was a lot. There was some quality control back then, and there just doesn't seem to be. Oh, maybe I'm just getting old and cynical. <laughs> I think that's a very maybe that's the case. Optimistic view on the world. That's very. If you, if you don't put, if you don't put crap on and you only put good TV on, people have to watch it, or else what else are you going to do? Yeah. Well, that's, that's, they're not, that's they're not going to get off their ass and go outside, are they? In the same way that if people started just making only good films, people would still go and see them. People wouldn't be going, oh, I wish, I wish people were making more films like Battleship. People wouldn't be sat there bemoaning the lack of Battleship. I, yeah, I but think. It, it, on the same token, if you, if you on a Saturday night from sort of 6pm till 9pm decided the only two channels you're going to show everybody, everything else gets switched off, the only things that are going to be on are BBC4 and what? Sky Arts what? 1, people aren't going to watch it. <laughs> well, people no. will watch it, what but else, they won't what the same I think there is pop. I think there is popular. There, I think there is a good populist TV. There, the BBC used to do good populist TV programming. ITV used to do good populist TV programming. I think the problem is there's plenty of stuff on, kind of that's good, later on, in the day, kind of, say nine o'clock, ten o'clock onwards. But there isn't much on like, what you'd consider prime time. That's good. I suppose between six and nine. When like a family could sit down and watch a, a really good program together, there isn't much fun like that anymore. Well, you say that, but the the there's maybe so you just m- don't watch those things, Steve. The, there's so much the variation is, in channels, though. Yeah, and, even and, you, big, and you. Yep. Sorry, carry on, Jack. Sorry, I was just going. And now I'm going to switch points because I'm just playing devil's advocate for fun here. <laughs> um, millions of people watch Miranda, for example. I think it's a hideous program. I hate it. I hate that program. I don't think it's funny. Millions of people watch it, but millions of people watch it and genuinely like it. They do gen. They're not the, programs like that. They are watching because they genuinely like it. Mrs. Brown's yeah, Boys. Yeah, but who, people watch it because they genuinely like it. I, I hate it. Who are we? But to I can't say argue sh- with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah exactly. I cannot argue point. with. Yeah, there is and there is genuine trash TV which shouldn't be on, but. Yeah, and that I am seriously talking about the only way is Essex. I, I think there is no moral excuse for that being on our television screens. I think it's a hideous abomination of television. But well, people watch it. People, yeah, that I, I, yeah, but they're kind of people I think should be sterilised. And yeah, you know, seriously, anyone who watches the only way is Essex in general. They're, they're morons. If they, if they go, I, if you go on Jeremy Coe, should be taken around the back of the studio and shot at the end of the show. Yeah, I wouldn't quite go that <laughs> This is turning. I mean, by the end of it, we're going to be saying what, and we'll this ban is... this race of people, and we'll yeah, yeah. No, not uh, not not a race I mean, of people. Just, just <laughs> the kind of people who who go on Jeremy Kyle, who want to put their pub their problems out in public for the whole country to see, and be manipulated by some puppet master pretending to be doing it for your own good, but he's not. He's doing it his own selfish gain. Take him on the back and shoot him. Yeah, but the, this Emmy's news got a bit out of hand, didn't it? Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where we're going with this anymore. I think we're I've just, no idea. We're it's going, it's just going to a break, arguments. and then we'll be back after a break with um, a, a kind of ad hoc, flung together triple bill. So yes, this triple bill of sorts is just a look ahead to the autumn, um, which is replacing what we've been watching this week. So, you know, what 
Let's just say that um, what we're, there's no what we've been watching this week because me and Steve have been too busy playing Grand Theft Auto and Owen's been lazy for once. So I'm just, I'm just going to come out and say it. Yeah. So sorry, we're really unprofessional. Four films this week and only only four. One of them That's was pathetic. one of them. Actually, I watched one earlier today, which was really good, but I won't go into it. We'll, we'll okay. skip over that. <laughs> that ruins the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, anyway, um, look, 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 ahead, look, ahead, look ahead to some films and TV shows that you should be watching <clears throat> this autumn. Um, so, James, why don't you start us off with yours then? Okay, I'll start us off. Um, I've gone for three films. Uh, I've gone for one in October, one in November, one in December. Um, two of which could be bad. I don't know, but I'm excited to, about them. Um, the first one is actually out in just a couple of weeks. It's out on the 4th of October in Scotland only for a week, and then it's out in the rest of the UK. It is the new film um, based on an Irvine Welsh book. It's Filth. Um, stars James McAvoy, uh, Eddie Marsden, Jamie Bell, and Imogen Poots. Now, what interests me about this, firstly, the trailer just... I was quite in your face um, and it was it was unlike anything I've seen in cinema this year uh, as those of you who haven't seen the trailer it's quite uh, it, you'll only see it before kind of 15 and 18 films it's quite it's quite rude let's be honest um, now what I found quite interesting is I read an interview Danny Boyle was talking about James McAvoy um, earlier this week and on the Trans Press tour um, apparently Danny Boyle said that the the editor of Trance had seen a rough cut of Filth and said that it was an absolute tour de force performance from James McAvoy, but at the time he wasn't sure that anyone would ever get to see it because he didn't think the film would see the light of day. He thought it was, no one's going to let this out because it's just, it's wrong in lots of ways. It's... Based on the Irvine Welsh book of the same film, apparently one of his darkest novels, it's the story of a bent copper, uh, played by McAvoy, suffers from serious substance addiction, mental health problems, um, and he's just a bit of an arsehole, basically, by the look of it. Uh, Eddie Marsden is in it as a kind of straight copper who gets turned to the dark side. Uh, Jamie Bell plays against type and a kind of coked-up junkie, I think. Uh, and Imogen Poots is also a, a copper on the force who feels the the lecherous finger of uh, McAvoy. From the trailer and reports coming from the production, I would say one thing this film won't be is boring. It could be bad. It could be tasteless. It could be terrible. I don't think it will be boring, though. Um, but, Steve, you, 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 you've you not got high hopes for this at all. I don't like the look of the trailer. I just think it looks pretty bad. I mean, you can't, like I've said before many times, you can't really base a lot of a film around the trailer, especially if it's mm. a, a more adult film, if it's, you know, a 15 yeah. plus, especially when you're seeing a trailer on telly or even in the cinema, they have to kind of tone it down because, you know, for a different kind of audience, maybe. So, like I say, you can't often tell much from a trailer, mm. but, yeah, it doesn't look good to me. It just doesn't look, you know, particularly engaging or interesting, but that's just my opinion. Uh, it, it, Irvine Welsh has apparently come out on record to say that James McAvoy's performance is better than that of De Niro in Taxi Driver, which is wow. Right. That's set, that's, that's amazing, brave, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it sounds um, a bit to me like it would be comparable, less so to Taxi Driver, more to something like Bad Lieutenant. 
you know, with Harvey yes. Keitel. Yeah, or possibly <coughs> the um, the Werner Herzog, Nick Cage, or yeah, uh, I, which I've not yeah, seen version of it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be along those kind of lines. It's going to be mental. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to it simply because I'm I like to be a bit surprised and shocked when I go. And the one thing I'd hate to be is bored when I go to the cinema. So uh, that's my first choice. My second choice is The Counselor out on the 15th of November, directed by Ridley Scott. Um, the script is a spec script, the first um, uh, spec script from Cormac McCarthy, who wrote the books um, and, and then the screenplays for No Country for Old Men and The Road. It stars The Fass. Um, and it's basically, it looks like it's a kind of modern day attempt, a, a form of Carlito's way, something like that. Basically, Michael Fassbender is a lawyer involved in the drug trade and he eventually gets seriously involved in a deal that goes wrong and shit happens uh, from there. It also stars Penelope Cruz, Cameron Diaz, uh, Javier Bardem and Brad Pitt. The first trailer's out. Looks interesting. Um yeah, you know, for a start, it's Ridley Scott combining with his Prometheus star and official failed critics favourite, Michael Fassbender. Like Filth, though, this is far from being a surefire hit or even a great film. I liked Prometheus a lot. I know that we like, you know, I know you two liked Prometheus a lot as well. But let's be honest, Ridley Scott hasn't given us a truly great film, in my opinion, since Gladiator. Can he pull it off here? Um, he... His, one of his great skills is world building, and we're not going to get that here. This is a modern day thriller. Uh, however, looking at the cast, looking at the screenwriter, if it all clicks, if it all falls together, um, in in my wildest dreams, we could have a, a kind of usual suspects for for this generation, and that's that's what I'm hoping for. Now, Owen, I know this was nearly on your list. Yeah, partly because of it being um, Ridley Scott, partly because it's Cormac McCarthy, and partly because it's got Fassbender and Javier Bardem in it. Um, yeah, you know, it just seems like a perfect concoction for uh, a, a, what should be a good film, really. Yeah, it almost seems a little too convenient and perfect, though. That's yeah, but, which is why I think it could be too much of a good thing. You know, you've got a yeah. too too many. Um, I don't know. It seems a bit naive, perhaps, but I just think if you've got that that much expectation on a film. It could perhaps backfire a little bit. Um, yeah, which is as it did with a lot of people for Prometheus. Yeah. I, I, you know, I enjoyed Prometheus, but a lot of people massively hyped that up and ended up disappointed. And mm. hopefully, this will come a little bit more under the radar. It's certainly not coming with that level of hype. Yeah, but I mean, I, there's so. a few Ridley Scott films, like you mentioned, since Gladiator. He just hasn't. Mm. I mean, um, Kingdom of Heaven, I wasn't that keen on. Uh, American Gangster, I thought was a bit so-so. So yeah. I mean, it, 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 you know, it's interesting to see what he actually does with it. I'm, I'm intrigued yeah. by it, but yeah, less optimistic I think than than perhaps you sound. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, I've not picked Gravity because we've spoken about Gravity quite a bit on this podcast already, and I think it's pretty much in most people's lists of films that they absolutely have to see. Uh, just to say that I'm definitely going to go and see it in 3D because apparently the 3D is really immersive and very impressive for this. So my final pick, which is out in December, on the 20th of December, the same day as Anchorman 2, which I am excited about, but I'll be honest, this is this should be the film I was hoping that Silver Linings Playbook was going to be. 
Um, David O. Russell, been really busy. Director of Silver Lines Playbook. Less than 12 months after we released that, he's got uh, American Hustle in the can. Um, really highly anticipated. I wasn't the biggest fan of Silver Linings Playbook, I'll be honest. I thought it was an intelligent, romantic comedy, but I didn't. I thought it was a bit flimsy in places, I'll be honest. Uh, held up mainly by its great performances. But O. Russell is a director that I like very much. Um, yeah, from the underrated Three Kings, which I, I really enjoy. It was one of the first DVDs I owned. That and Gladiator were the first two DVDs I owned. Um, and I Heart Huckabees, I think, is... I Heart Huckabees is the the great Wes Anderson film that Wes Anderson never made. Um, <laughs> and, and right through to The Fighter. I love... You know, The Fighter's an outstanding film as well. And here he teams up with alumni from The Fighter in Christian Bale and Amy Adams. And Silver Linings Playbook with Bradley Cooper, Jennifer Lawrence and Robert De Niro. And the film's actually based on the real-life FBI abscam investigation, which became a sting targeting corrupt politicians in the mid to late 70s. So you've got a bit of an Argo feel going on here as well, because it's set in the 70s. It's about a real-life government investigation. So there's, yeah, it. Uh, we said uh, last week we thought that Rush was kind of this year's Argo. I think this is another one making a play for this year's Argo as well. Uh, bit of Boogie Nights styling as well. If you have a look at the trailer, it's a really good trailer. And then, you know, it's got the 70s music just right. It's got the look. Christian Bale looks... Uh, it, I'm just already massively impressed by his... Just in the trailer, he looks like he's carrying this film brilliantly. He plays a con man who the FBI decide to employ to try and sting uh, you know, uh, put a sting operation to try and find corrupt politicians uh, Jennifer Lawrence plays his uptight wife and Amy Adams plays his British apparently kind of partner in crime Bradley Cooper plays the FBI agent putting it all together I think this could be a lot of fun and potentially this could be one of those late kind of runs for Oscar buzz uh, especially after a lot of people think David O. Russell has missed out quite often this could be the one that kind of takes him over the edge so that's my three anyway hmm. okay. Owen your three um, well I'll get the most obvious one out of the way first of all shall I um, Thor The Dark World I think would be one of my um, most anticipated films of the autumn um, it's uh, yeah it's not directed by Branner this time it's directed by a guy called Alan Taylor um, but it's basically the direct sequel to Thor, the first film, and following the events of the Avengers Assemble film. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems quite interesting. Uh, I'm not really convinced completely by the trailer, but I just have a lot of faith in the film anyway. I think Chris Hemsworth mm. has, has got a bit of momentum now. Um, you know, he's been banging form for the last few films I've seen him in. Um, and I love his Thor. And he I, is, I genuinely love his Thor. He is very good as Thor. I think that's what makes the films work so well because he's just perfectly cast for that role. Um, also, I mean, the, the screenplay is written by a guy called Christopher Yost as well, who probably doesn't sound familiar to a lot of people, um, but he's a, a comic writer. So, I mean, he's got his hand in, in comics. He's written for Marvel. Um, he wrote a series I really enjoyed called Red Robin, which was just... Um, which was fantastic. So, I mean, I've got a bit of faith that he's going to pull it together. And, of course, we've got people like Tom Hiddleston, who's back. 
Mm. Um, oh, Loki back. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited about seeing Loki on screen. Brilliant. Again. Yeah, Natalie Portman, who I quite like as an actress as mm. well. Um, yeah. Idris Elba's apparently back in this as well. And yeah. Christopher Eccleston plays the um, the main bad guy. So, oh, okay. yeah, I mean, it, it should be quite good. It's a bit more fantasy than the other one. The, the first mm. film dealt with a lot of fantasy elements, but also with real world stuff. Yeah. I think this is a bit more dealing with um, There's Asgard. There's a lot more on Asgard this time, yeah. isn't there? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, um, I don't think I need to say a lot about it, really. It's going to make a, at least 100 million, probably a lot more just because it's um, the new, the new Marvel film but um yeah yeah so I'm quite looking forward to that I I have to I'm I'm looking forward to that as well in terms of the blockbusters that's yeah the the one blockbuster I'm really looking forward to actually because I love the first one and outside the Iron Man films I think Thor was my favorite of the the Marvel kind of single character films so got high expectations definitely yeah okay my um second choice is uh well, I've got, I've got to pick a horror film. I think we've got October coming up very quickly, um, the season for good horrors, supposedly. So, um, yeah, out in the uh, 18th of October, I think it is, Friday the 18th of October, is the Kimberly Pierce film, Carrie, the remake of the original 1976 film. Um, do I really need to explain the story to Carrie? Do most people know what Carrie is now? Surely, mate. You've got to expect, yeah. Have you both seen the original? I have. Yeah, excellent. I really like 70s horror film. It, yeah, it's my favourite decade of horror, definitely. And it's uh, it, it's a really nasty film, actually, yeah. isn't it? That Brian De Palma Brian original. Palmer, yeah, that's it's pretty right. horrible. <laughs> it is, yeah, very... I mean, it's just very uncomfortable to watch, isn't it? And it, yeah. it's obviously known for what was just a fantastic... Um, Ending and Sissy Spacek, yeah. who was um, Academy Award nominated for her performance. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, there's a lot of uh, pressure on them to get this remake right. Um, Kimberly Pierce. I mean, we shouldn't really talk about it um, because you know we're in the year 2013 and everything. But you know, it's interesting to see how a female director gets on creating a mm. film like this. I know mean, it shouldn't be the case, but I think it is quite interesting. Um, still can't help. No, you're, you're right though, because we still don't have very many female directors at all, and it, it is a talking point. Yeah. And, and I do think actually, Carrie is quite a a feminist story. It is anyway. Yeah. So it will be really interesting to see how because Brian De Palma, let's be honest, is not uh, he's not misogynistic, but he's not exactly well. He's not a feminist. Would argue. I think he's definitely not a feminist, yeah. and I think this will be a different. This will definitely be a different take, and it will be interesting for that to see that take yeah it will um, you know how far in, towards being um you know making carry into even more of like a sympathetic character mm. or whether they go down a, a different avenue will be um interesting to see what happens to it but carrie herself will be played by chloe moretz grace who is mm. probably known mostly to pe- to most people yeah. as hit girl from the kick-ass films um yeah. she's a great actress i think she's uh she's brilliant. That, yeah, already so there is a lot of expectation on her individually. Um, which, and is it Julianne Moore as her mum? Julianne Moore will be yeah, mom, yeah. I like Julianne Moore a lot as well. So I, I think that's good. The trailer looked quite intense it as is. well. So Yeah. I mean, we've already had one big um, classic horror film remade this year with Evil Dead. Mm. And I thought they did quite well with that. Um, 
obviously it was never going to be as good as the Bruce Campbell, Sam Raimi film, but that was still quite good. So, um, you know, I'm, it's made me feel a little bit more um, open to, to a remake of Carrie. I think it'll be uh, interesting to see how they get on with that. Uh, and like you say, from the trailer, it looks quite good. and You can't really go wrong with that story. Um, no. Although I did watch a made-for-TV film, which was a, a sort of remake of that film, Ooh. which was not fantastic. Um, but I won't go into that one. <laughs> but um, yeah, so my final choice is a film which I don't really know what to expect from. Um, I'm mainly picking it because it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt's directorial debut, uh, a film called Don John, where he plays um, surprise, surprise, a New York, uh, sorry, a New Jersey guy uh, with his New Jersey <laughs> accent who's. Uh, addicted or sort of addicted to watching porn and he does a lot of weights and stuff in the gym um, and he meets his supposedly true love possibly true love uh, who's played by Scarlett Johansson um, it's a sort of comedy drama um, that was uh, yeah I mean like I say I don't really know entirely what to expect from it the trailer makes it seem a little bit amateurish but I've got faith I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt so far has proved everyone wrong when they thought was he going to be a good Hollywood actor, and I think he is. I think he's a very good actor. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's interesting to see what he does with the um, being the other side of the camera. Um, yeah. Although he's on both sides of the camera in this, he couldn't resist casting him. <laughs> Maybe it was just cheaper. But um, yeah, he did. Um, it did well at Sundance. It was at Sundance right? and Berlin yeah. Film Festival, I think. Yeah. Um, no, I'm looking forward to seeing that as well. Uh, Scarlett Johansson's doing a couple of real kind of indie films at the moment, which is great to see yeah. when. Because uh, she's in that, and she's also in a film which nearly made my list, which, again, could be terrible, but sounds mental. And I've got, um, we've mentioned Under the Skin, the Jonathan Glazer film about mm. an alien driving around a van in Scotland and sucking. <laughs> yeah, we've already... But she she's in that as well. So she's also... It's really great to see that some big, huge Hollywood actors are happy to go and push themselves in independent cinema. I think it's fine when, you know, without being too cynical, when they get films like um, The Avengers where they play Black Widow and they make a lot of money from it. I'm sure it's much easier for her to just go off and do a little indie film, say, in Scotland. uh, Yeah, but she doesn't have to. And there's some people that just genuinely don't bother. Um, Yeah. And it, and I'll be honest, you know, it looks to me like that shoot for under the skin was pretty, pretty intense actually. <laughs> so she would have been through quite a lot to film that. Yeah. So fair, fair play to her. No, excellent, thanks. Yeah, Anna. it's due out on the fifteenth of November. So um, it's it's playing at London Film Festival. It's playing at fact, yeah. these films are playing at London Film Festival. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. Okay. Surprised Owen didn't go for the. Um... Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger film, Escape Plan, that's out on it. <laughs> yeah, I was also thinking about the Luke Besson film that's out with um, <coughs> De Niro in it. What? Luke Besson's got a new film out? Yeah. I missed that. It's about, a, I forget the name of it now, but it's with um, Robert De Niro, who plays a, like a, an ex-mafia guy who's in witness protection and sent to Paris. It's sort of like a comedy, and it looks <laughs> it looks a bit naff, but uh, it's Luke Besson and it's Robert Besson, De Niro. Yeah. So. Exactly. Oh, I'll be watching that regardless. Yeah. yeah, and Luke Besson's another one of those. I've never been bored by one of his films. I've, you know, yeah. there, there's been some terrible ones. 
um, especially some of the ones he's produced, like Taxi Three, for yeah. example. Anyway, um, um, Escape Plan. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's, it's not one of my picks. I just wanted to bring a couple of things to people's attention. Right, it stars Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jim Caviezel, who I think is, was Jesus once, um, 50, <laughs> Fifty Cent, and Vinnie Jones. So I mean, it's a high caliber cast. But yeah. right, Sylvester Stallone plays Ray Breslin. Breslin is a structural engineer who is wrongly convicted of a crime and is serving his sentence in a maximum security prison, right? Which is of his own design. What, that's, that's a pothole there. Do you know no, what? No I would... one would sentence someone to a prison that they designed. And that make, that completely contradicts what I've seen in the trailer, which is apparently... See, this, this is weird because it makes you think that there's been a shitload of rewrites and stuff like that. Because the trailer I've seen is he's not sentenced. He's put in there... Uh, basically, he's a, he's an expert at getting out of prisons. Okay, he, ha- he is an ex-con. He's got out of prisons, but now he's gone straight. And someone builds a new prison and wants him to test it. They want to make sure it's escape-proof. And so he goes into that prison, but while he's in there, they delete all records of him going in there voluntarily, and he's actually in there as a prisoner. And then he's got to try and escape. And he didn't actually build it, but Arnold Schwarzenegger... See, this is, this is bad, because it means that something's you know, gone you know, horribly wrong even worse. of this. It's not, it's not an autumn film, because it's, it's out on, in, on Christmas Day in America, so probably January here. But, uh, no, it's out, it's no, out no, this in November is a film I'm talking about. Oh, well. Sylvester Stallone, Robert De Niro play ex-boxers who um, who used to have a rivalry, and thirty years on, they end up reigniting that rivalry. Um, Has he not bothered to call it Rocky? <laughs> no, no, it's, 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 not, it's Rocky meets Raging Bull without having without, without having, having Rocky or Raging yeah. Bull. Yeah, like the expendable. He's really using his mm-hmm. he's really using his second chance. Well, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he's making as many films as he can before people stop paying him money again. Anyway, uh, my recommendations are um, two returning TV shows. I went TV shows from a maverick and played by no one else's rules but my own. <laughs> um, but it's two returning TV shows and one new one. But there are other things. You know, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that starts this week and will run through the autumn. There's a Doctor Who 50th anniversary special, which everyone hopes will be amazing. Um, it might not be. Good chance it won't be, but... There we go. It'll be, it'll, it'll be just be, it'll be fun to have load of different doctors in there. That, that's just a waste. I love it when they do that. I love the old ones where they have like five of them on there for no fucking reason whatsoever. They're great. And um, there's there's the final season of How I Met Your Mother, which has drastically gone downhill after. The- Are we finally going to find out how he met the mother? I gave up on it. We finally find out how he met his mother, or like I'm predicting that he's got a different voice to, to Ted in the show because he's actually mad and he's imagined everything. That I'd like that, yeah. That would be good, yeah. Um, but anyway, The Walking Dead is back for its fourth season. It's one of the most watched shows in America. Uh, the first season, only six episodes, like AMC do of a few shows, was really good. The second season, a bit of a letdown. But the third season, introducing the governor as the main villain, come back as a bit of a... Um, well, a return to top form um, with you know a, a really good sinister villain and some you know good characters and some impressive zombie-related killing action. Um, so yes, that'll be back for its fourth season. And this trailer does look really good for that with some new characters coming in, uh, some of them from the comics, which is um, 
Yeah, really I mean, the, the, com- the comics are brilliant, so it'd be interesting to see how... Because so far, the TV series, although it's followed similar stories to the comics, it has changed things, you know, so it's 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 recognisable as The Walking Dead, but you never really know which way it's going to go. So uh, did you say set- you read the comics as well? I've read the comics. I've not read probably the last three or four, but I've read okay. all of them. I'm not quite up to date with it, but I am. So, yeah, so, I mean, you're probably expecting the same as me, which is that <laughs> you sort of know which direction it's going to go in, but no idea how it's going to get there. Yeah, because I thought season three would end in a different way. Yeah. And not, um, and can't, you know, can't really say much more than that. No, about you can't. Really. But, but it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. In in the comic, this, this well, the governor his story would have come to its conclusion by now in the TV show, they're running parallel. But they've taken it on a step, and it's interesting to kind of see how they're going to work that. Yeah, because... I think partly it must be because, you know, how they test things with audiences over there. And if it's come back that they really like one particular character, well then... But he, keep... he, he was really good. He was? A, as mm-hmm. a protagonist. He was, he was very sinister and very meticulous and... and pretty evil and ruthless. Yeah. Uh, the other show that is returning, although James has already slated it today, is Homeland, <laughs> which is back to the third season, um, carrying on from um, the end of the last season where um, there was a big in, uh, big terrorist attack that killed, I think, 200 people um, in the US intelligence set up um, and Nicholas Brody is a wanted man and on the run. Uh, and they are looking for him and looking for answers as well. If it can keep up, it's it's quite hard, I suppose, to keep up the level of intensity that it did in season one and season two. So hope season two obviously wasn't as good as season one, but it was still very good television. It's just interesting to see where they go with it now and can they keep up this level of intensity and you know interest, or will it go the same way as other TV shows that have really gone downhill rapidly, like? aforementioned Dexter and Heroes. Hmm. Never got on with Homeland. I watched the first few episodes and just didn't do anything for me. I had the same problem, you know. I just, I just, and maybe it was because it was kind of sold to me as a spiritual successor to Twenty Four, mm. but a bit more realistic. And then I spent four or five episodes going, nothing's happened. It's just her going mad. It's doing my nothing. And I, I stopped watching it. I'll be honest. I, I stopped watching it because I was just getting really annoyed with it. Yeah. I mean, I, but, I like... Da- uh, is his name Damien Lewis? The ginger... Damien Lewis. I liked him in it. I liked um, I liked Claire Danes in it. I liked, I liked the characters. And um, uh, uh, Sol, uh, thingy... Yeah. Uh, uh, guy from Princess Bride. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mandy Patikin. Um, I, I liked what they were doing with the characters. I just didn't... I I just didn't get on with the narrative of it. Mm, same. Um, and the final program I'm recommending, or um, I've not seen any of yet. It's a new show. The first episode was aired tonight as we record, but I missed, I missed it, so I was out. But it'll run for you all, so I'm going to catch up with it on iPlayer later, and and I'll talk about it as any good or not next week. But it is <laughs> called it is called The Wrong Man. It's on BBC Two, written by and starring uh, James Corden and Matthew. Um, Banton, uh, he was um, he was in Gavin and Stacey's kind of a bit part character. He was also in Horrible Histories and co-wrote some of that. So um, fantastic in that. <laughs> um, and they play um, 
two council office workers who get mixed up in um, a, 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 a crime conspiracy. Um, it's, it's only six episodes long, like most BBC sitcoms are, but the trailer looks really good. Um, James Corden is is pretty good as a writer, and when he's not himself, when he's acting, he's actually pretty good. He's very likable, um, and you know, he plays some good roles. It's just when he's being himself that he could be a bit irritating, but that might be just be down to when he was everywhere for for a little bit. Couldn't get him off the bloody telly. Yeah, I love the story that Rob Brydon had to phone him up and tell him to stop being such an egomaniacal dick on TV all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, he calmed down after that. Yeah, but, um, yeah. But, but when he when he writes and when he acts, he he is very likable. He can be very. I mean, the character of Smith, Gavin and Stacey's brilliant television, um, and the character of Smith is very good. And when he's done the comic relief specials of Smith, he's been very good. Um, I've not seen too much of Matthew Banton's work other than watching a lot of horrible histories, which is aimed at kids, but it's brilliant. So yeah, I think I can be let off of that. But yeah. I'm, <laughs> It's, it, the reception so far from, from critics has been pretty good as well. So hopefully I'll be able to report back in a positive manner next week. Good. Um, yes, that's our uh, awesome preview done. Up next we'll have some um, reviews of new releases, um, The Cool, Diana and Prisoners. So first new uh, release we'll be um, we'll be reviewing uh, or Owen will be reviewing as he went to see it at a special preview. When's it out, Owen, for general release? Friday this this week. Friday uh, is uh, Prisoners, and here's a clip. I recognise these girls. I didn't see them. May I sit down? What are you doing here, me? Answer my question. Sleep there. You're sleeping there. You were sleeping out there mm-hmm. in the day. Why was the RV parked outside the house? Mm, I went for a drive. You went for a drive? You weren't driving. I know for a fact those girls were playing outside your RV. You weren't driving. It's parked. Was it a special day? Were you planning on taking two little girls? No. Have you done that before? No. Did you ask them to come inside? No. You asked them to come inside the RV and then you take them away? No. Did you put those girls somewhere? Yes, it's Did you put those girls somewhere? Don't touch me. I know you put those girls somewhere. So that was a clip of uh, Prisoners. So, Owen, why don't you tell us all about that? Who's in it? What it's about? And was it any good? Uh, okay. <laughs> Who's in it? It was directed by Denis Villeneuve. I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's um, a French-Canadian director. Uh, who's in it? Um, Jake Gyllenhaal is in it. Hugh Jackman's in it. Um... Terence Howard is in it, apparently. Uh, Wayne Duvall. <laughs> There's quite a lot of people who you'd probably recognise from a lot of different things. Um, is it any good? Yes. Is it worth watching? Yes. <laughs> Hesitantly. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it is a very... It, basically, okay, the story goes that there's um, uh, a family, small family, um, two families, their daughters go out to play... There was a weird like camper van in the area recently, um, and then their kids, the two girls, go missing. So the family um, obviously informed the police. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is the detective who's in charge of the um, investigation. He arrests the guy who owns the camper van, and then the whole story plays out like a murder mystery. You don't really know what happened to the girls. 
you don't really know if the guy he arrests um, is responsible or not. And you kind of get the impression that you know what's happening all the way through. And every so often, every sort of, you know, like every good murder mystery, every sort of 5, 10, 15 minutes, there's something that happens that makes you rethink what you already knew. So, yes, like I say, it is quite a good film in that sense. Um, it is very tense. Uh, and it, for what is quite a mainstream um, film, it, it is very dark as well. I mean, it definitely goes to some very dark places. You, um, I, I mean, whilst I was watching it, in my mind, I was comparing it to um, The Hunt from last year with Mads Mikkelsen in it. Mm. Um, because it deals with slightly similar themes about, you know, um, it's slightly different in The Hunt in that he's accused of doing something to kids, whereas in this it's, you know, there's a guy who's accused of perhaps abducting the kids and you don't really understand what's what's going on. Um, But in where that's quite clever and it's very allegorical, this just, it doesn't really have that kind of depth to it. It's the sort of film you can imagine if it was released 10, 15 years ago, um, it would have people like Harrison Ford in it, and it would have uh, Richard Gere and Jodie Foster, that kind of cast. It's very much a standard thriller, but it's done very well. Um, and like I say, very dark. There are some very uncomfortable torture scenes in this. Hugh Jackman is pretty fierce uh, in a few scenes. It's quite impressive, actually, how um, how just... He flips from one being quite sort of calm uh, straight into being really sort of angry and upset, just as you would imagine perhaps someone whose daughter has been kidnapped would be, actually. So, I mean, he puts in a really good performance. But the star, for for my money, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. I think Jake Gyllenhaal is just fantastic. He he plays the detective, um, but he plays him so well. He's got this um, demeanour about him where... Yeah, okay. He doesn't like his boss. He tells his, you know, tells the chief to go fuck himself a couple times, and you know. <laughs> it, but he's just, um, you've got, you've got the impression he's got his, he knows what he's doing. He's good at his job. Uh, he knows when someone is lying. He knows um, when someone's telling the truth, and it just makes the emphasis on Hugh Jackman's uh, character um, just that bit more uh, suspect. You know, at the same time, you put yourself into the, the character's shoes throughout the film. Uh, particularly, you know, if you you would probably see Hugh Jackman as the I don't want to say hero because of the stuff that he does in the film, but you you see him as the most identifiable character because you can think, if I was in his position, would I be doing what he's doing? Mm. Um, whereas Jake Gyllenhaal is the character you watch who you think is trying to bring some kind of reason and logic to the story, which is great. Terence Howard as well. He's all right. I mean, he, 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 yeah, he's just all right in it, really. He's a bit mopey and he cries a bit, and, you know. <laughs> Everyone gets their own turn to do their, their bit of acting in it. Viola Davis, who um, was uh, fantastic in a um, film from last year, which I really uh, enjoyed, called Help. Uh, or was it? Might have been 2011 that came out, but um, she she yeah. was brilliant in that. She, again, she puts in a good performance, but she's just every like I say, everyone gets their own little clip where they they have to do their bit of acting. I haven't mentioned him at all yet, but I'm going to mention him now. Paul Dano or Dano, mm. don't really know how you pronounce his name. 
I think it's Dano, but yeah. Yeah, he's the slightly um, retarded, maybe retarded, slightly um, not altogether uh, guy who's accused of stealing the children. Mm. Um, right. And he, you know, he's, he's spotty, he's greasy-haired, he's got the glasses of a paedophile. You know, that, yeah. if you if you told the Daily Mail to do a, you know, a description yeah. of what they thought the, the worst paedophile in the UK looked like, they would draw what Paul Dano looks like in this. And, it, yeah, okay, so it's a bit stereotypical, and he's not playing a very um, uh, original type character. But he, again, he puts in a, a, just a fantastic performance throughout the film. Uh, some of his lines maybe let him down a little bit, but he does, you know, more than adequately with what he's given. Um, so yeah, th- like I say, performances throughout, fantastic. I'm not sure it's going to be a film that win any awards. It's not one of those kind of films. It's just a really tense thriller that keeps you um, guessing throughout, and it's a bit twisted. It lets itself down a little bit with the last 20 minutes. Um, it sort of falls apart like most mystery films tend to i think unless you've got a really good one it's it, yeah so the, the, i'm not going to explain any any of the twists or what happens but the last 20 minutes just sort of lower your expectations for what's going to happen um but it, i mean yeah it keeps you gripped which is quite surprising for what is unreasonably a two and a half hour long film i was going to say i saw the length of it and thought that that's put me off immediately if it yeah I, I need something pretty damn special to spend two and a half hours watching a film. Yeah, um, I mean, it doesn't sound like it's that special. It's, it's yeah, it's it's weird because I was, <laughs> I was gripped whilst watching it. I have to admit, mm. there was perhaps only once or twice where I thought, "How long has it been now? How how far into the film am I?" But there's no point in it where you're just sitting there yawning, clock watching, waiting for it to just hurry up and finish because it, you know, it's um. Uh, they do cram a lot into the story. It, it's just the shame that it is two and a half hours. It didn't need mm. to be two and a half hours. Was, there, was, the there, plot, was, was the plot predictable? You know what happened, the twists and whatever in the in the case. Was it predictable? Or was it? Um... See, now that's a very good question because it purely depends on what you pick up on in the first first twenty minutes, and then how you interpret how that's going to. Inf- affect the story see i thought it was going to be really predictable i thought i'd picked up on something and then it does the very typical thing with these kind of films it's structurally where it makes you go ah but what you thought was going to happen didn't happen (laughs) but then at the same time what you did literally see happen makes you go but yeah i i know i know that i know what's good i know what what he's thinking i know what he said and i know what's gonna end up occurring but then, at the same time, like I say, it just twists and turns all over the place. So, mm. not in it's not predictable, but it's not entirely, um, not entirely unpredictable either, in a good way, you know. Okay. Uh, so that is Prisoners. I am reviewing The Call, which is a new release um, in cinemas, but you can also pick it up on Brazilian Netflix if you have access to that kind of technical know-how. Um, but anyway, it stars Halle Berry. It's made by WWE Entertainment, and you think <laughs> you, you kind of think, why is it this Oscar-winning actress doing a film made by Vince McMahon? Um, but there you go. It is actually it. Well, okay, it's about um, Halle Berry plays 
Jordan Turner, who is a 911 operator. So she's the person who picked up the phone when you phone 911. Um, and at the start of the film, she answers the phone to a young girl who is at home on her own and someone breaks in. She advises the girl to go and hide herself upstairs. She does, and the in the uh, the intruder is about to leave, but the phone cuts off. Jordan phones this girl back, gives away her location. She gets kidnapped, eventually murdered. So then you skip forward six months. Halle Berry's character, Jordan, has now um, come off of you know the phones because she's been affected personally by her cock up. She can't deal with it anymore, but she trains new recruits while she's training recruits showing them around one of the newer people on the phone gets a call they can't deal with um it's a girl who's been kidnapped so she jumps back on the phone takes it over ends up realizing it's the same guy who killed this other girl um <clears throat> for the first two thirds it is a good kind of tense um kid you know standard nothing doing nothing new with the with the, the genre but it's it's quite tense. You don't know how it's going to turn out. Um, kidnapping film. The the bad guy is quite good. He's he's obviously got a motive, um, which I won't reveal. It's a bit of a a spoiler. But he he is mental. He is unhinged. Um, he's he's got a plan and knows how he wants to do it. But things go wrong and he can't deal with things going wrong. So it obviously escalates and he has you know he's he's it drives him to do more bad things. Um, it's the it's the last the last third of the film it goes a bit silly um, because Halle Berry's character ends up going to look for the girl herself rather than keep her on the phone and keep communicating with her that way, which it doesn't ruin the film that part of the film. It's just it just it's a bit of a stretch, but it's it works fine still. Um, my only problem with it was it was the last scene, which was which was stupid. But unfortunately, what what do you reckon? Should I tell you all about it? Are people really gonna? No, no, uh, no. Let's just just give them as much of a warning as you can. But you know, some okay. people might watch. It's, I still might watch this. You it, know, it's, it's a good film. Um, it's certainly enjoyable. It'll, it's only an hour and a half long as well, which which is which is pretty good because you know Owen just said that the film he watched, Prison, <laughs> like, you know, was 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 too long. Um, and so it's an enjoyable film. It's not. It's not too stretched in terms of length. The plot isn't too stupid. Um, it, it's kind of believable. The performances are okay. They're not exceptional. The best one is Michael Eklund, who plays the um, the killer. He, he he's kind of the best performance in it. Um, but it, it's just the last scene that annoyed me. Um, and once you watch it, you'll know what I mean. But um, but the film in general is quite good. It just probably raises more questions about Halle Berry's career than anything. Because people people are th- looking at this thinking, what is Halle Berry doing in a film made by WWE Entertainment? They're not they're, and they're not kind of thinking, well, this could be a, a good film um, anyway. But honestly, she won. Is Halle Berry a good actress, or was her or was her Oscar a one hit wonder? She's not a good actress. I never really rated her. She won, she won her Oscar in 2001 for Monsters Ball. Mm. Since then, she's... Um, well, she, she won was, a Razzie as well. I mean... Yeah. yeah. I mean, but she, was in, spectrum. she was in She was in Die Another Day. Um, 
She's been in the X-Men. Worst Bond ever. She's been in the X-Men films. Um, she's done Gothica that I've not seen. Uh, Catwoman, which was absolutely terrible. Okay. Um, I mean, Swordfish she was... was terrible. Oh, yeah. Swordfish was before... She's got topless in it, though. Swordfish was out before Monsters Ball, though, so, I mean... Yeah. Um, um, she was in Cloud Atlas, but one of the worst people in Cloud Atlas. She was in Movie 43, which was terrible. She was all right. Oh, yeah, but yeah, you can't hold that against anyone in Movie <laughs> she 43. Was in she was in New Year's <laughs> Eve, which has seemed to me a failed American attempt to recreate Love Actually. Um, and Dark Tide, which is a film about sharks. So, I mean, she, was, she was also in Last Boy Scout. She got murdered yeah. quite early on, but she was in Last Boy Scout, so she's she got a little bit of a in. She was in the Flintstones playing Sharon Stone. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I mean, why not just get Sharon Stone to play that character? <laughs> makes perfect sense. But anyway, it just appears to me that she's actually not that good an actress, and the Oscar was a, was a one-off. But but people will confuse, you know, mix up their opinion on going to see this film because I think Halle Berry's in it. She used to be good, but she's crap now. But this film is is, is watchable and it's enjoyable. But it's, it's not the greatest film you're ever going to watch. But it's by me not bad. Yeah, I don't know. I I'll probably avoid it anyway, because, partly because it is Halle Berry. I know what you're saying, and you know that's that's fair enough. But I just don't like watching the films. Yeah, it's Halle Berry, really. Yeah. And, then, and then you better get on with the film, fine. Um, James, you went to see a, a film this week. Yeah, I did. Right. First off, I'm just going to say, um, none of us got around to watching R.I.P.D. Um, it's had very, very mediocre reviews. Just think um, Men in Black with Ghosts. That seems to be what's going on there. Uh, but yeah, the film I went to see. Um, firstly, I don't, unlike some people, I don't enjoy putting the boot into films generally. I don't go to films to hate them. Um, and I don't, I, yeah, I, I don't like to completely slag off films. But some films are so bad that they need to be hung, drawn and quartered and their decapitated heads need to be stuck on spikes outside of cinemas to warn filmmakers and moviegoers, here be monsters. Um, I went to see Diana. Um, I went, I'll be honest, a little bit, <clears throat> you know, cards on the table here. I went to see it knowing full well that it has had an absolute slating from the critics. It's got a 7% rating, I think, on Rotten Tomatoes, or it did last time I looked. Um, it's got a 4.2 rating on IMDb. I went with that expectation. That cannot help but colour my judgement of it. Um, but that could have helped it. It could have been better than I expected. It could have done something to be better than I expected, but it didn't. Um, first off, Let's yeah. You've got to look at the talent involved in this. I was stunned when I was just doing a bit of research before I went. It's directed by Oliver Hirschbiegel, who directed Downfall. Okay, so this is from the director of one of the most critically acclaimed world cinema, German, you know, German films of the last ten years. A fantastic film about the last days of Adolf Hitler. Okay, so we've got a director who at least has, at some point in his life, has created an incredible film. Um, it stars Naomi Watts. I'm a big fan of Naomi Watts. I like Naomi Watts a lot. She, I thought she was very good in The Impossible earlier this year. I've liked her in a lot of films she's been in, 21 Grams, uh, Mulholland Drive. 
Okay, they've got a big star here. Music, uh, David Holmes. I really like David Holmes. All right, so let's. Unlike, say, Sharknado from earlier this year, this is people who know how to make a film and know how to do these things well, trying to make a film. And the fact that they fail so miserably is more upsetting to me um, than than these films where people aren't even trying. Uh, What I will say, it opens up in laughable laughable circumstances obviously it's about the last few years of the life of, uh, life of princess diana princess of wales um mainly following her divorce from charles and her love affair with a doctor um uh, a heart surgeon and not dodie fired and it kind of it's meant its whole tagline is um sometimes there's more than the legend or so i don't even know it's oh god hated it there's no clip for this film uh, because all the clips that I can find online are trailers, and the trailers are just iconic images of Diana Watts as Diana with music played over the top of it. There's literally no dialogue, and the reason for that is the dialogue in this film is the worst dialogue I have heard in a film for years. Not not just months, not just this year. It is so, it is the worst script. I it's it's worse than those made-for-TV true-movie type films. Everything about it is just horribly wrong. For a start, it's got no narrative flow. It is literally... People walk into a room, impart some information to the plot, and then walk out again, and then cut scene. It is, hello, I'm here to tell you that you're going over there today. Bye. Walk out. It's just (laughs) horribly, horribly clunky. And then... It, so you've got that. It's just loads of exposition mixed in with things that are meant to be profound. And I, do you know what? I'm, I wrote down some examples while I was in the cinema watching this, just to give you an idea. So at one point, Diane is talking. She actually says the the words, um, "What if I can't receive love?" Yeah. <laughs> oh my wow. god. Yeah. What? Because her yoga guru, acupuncturist. I don't know. I didn't get what loads of people Witch in the doctor. film. Did. Yeah, right. Played by Geraldine James. Some I. She's Irish though, so she's clearly you know got some mystical powers or something. It's the way it felt. Um, she's she's talking about. Oh, you're so good at giving love. And Diana goes, Yeah, but what if I can't receive love? Cue stirring music. Oh, she's got a terrible sense of you. at points. They're trying to like give you this idea that obviously she's close to her sons, but they have they're not brave enough to try and cast anyone as William and uh, Harry. So they have her on the phone to them, and she's like, oh, don't shoot any corgis, Wills. As if, like, uh, it's like, and that's like, all oh, right, so, oh, we know he's staying with the Queen, because she's got corgis. It's that clunky and horrible. Who would have you uh, cast po- as, as Wills and Harry? Um, <laughs> I, I, I struggle to uh, think. The ginger um, one from Harry Potter, as both of them. It's fine, done. As both of them? Yeah. Okay, that's nice. Let's give one with him. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Yes. Um, at one point now, the the heart surgeon that she falls in love with, she's talking to him about how he does his job. I don't know how you could do it up to like nine hours. And he, at one point, seriously says the line, it gets to a stage where you don't perform the operation. The operation performs you. What? It makes no fucking sense. He turns into some kind of yoga Yoda character. Absolutely nonsense. And then she's having a conversation with her. Get it right. Okay. So he's a heart surgeon. It's quite important. In fact, wait. She at one point before their first date, 
she sends out her butler, Paul Burrell, to go and buy her a copy of Grey's Anatomy, <laughs> uh, the book, not a box set of the TV series, <laughs> flicks it open, and like the camera just pauses and lingers over a shot because she's flicked it open on the section that's about the heart. Oh, right, because, you know, it's about love and who, stuff like who, that. Who has Can to, she who feel love? Who playing Paul Burrell? Um, it's some bloke who's been in some British TV. It's probably you know him himself, Burrell, isn't it? Paul Burrell, yeah, that would have been perfect. He comes out of this really well, actually, which makes me think it was possibly written by Paul Burrell. It is. It, it almost. It feels like it was written by someone heavily involved in the life of Diana, not in that insightful way, just like they wrote it, and then she did this, and then she did this. Um, yeah, she's having dinner with the heart surgeon, and she actually, this is a question she says to him, so hearts can't actually be broken, Oh my god, I wanted to fucking vomit. It was horrible. And then later on that night, this is how unrealistic it is. Remember, this is in the mid-90s. Um, he decide, he's watching a football match. And it's just like, it's really kind of like middle class it, actors tr- pretending that they like football, watching a football match. And like shouting, oh no, oh go on, shoot. Kind of, you know, <laughs> go on and score a goal type thing. And I'm like, you can't give Liverpool that much space. They'll walk right through you. I was like, well, that's not fucking <laughs> This was the Roy Evans era Liverpool. They didn't walk through anyone. They were shit. Um, wow. so, uh, There's a half man, was... half biscuit lyric called uh, Darts in Soap Operas. Wrong, oh so wrong. I think that applies to football in <laughs> yeah, middle class. Yeah, uh, it was, yeah, you know, it was, and and then it's just the way it. What you would hope is that a film like this would try and evoke some sense of the mid nineties. You know that this was a slightly different era. It doesn't it? Do, it feels like it was. It feels like it's today. The only thing they've done is they've got slightly older cars. Yeah. Um, I was noticing things like Costa coffee cups and stuff, and going, well, actually, what? was Costa even around? Yeah, you know, and it was. There's been no sense of content. They're not trying to build up um, any sense of the time and the world and things like that. Um, and then there's just outright lies and manipulation. Like, for example, Diana gave a very famous interview to the BBC when she talked about there being three people in her marriage, and she's talking about Camilla Parker Bowles which is to the BBC. And as far as I know, it was watched by a lot of people. But in this film, at one point, they're, they're in a pub, and the pub is crowded, standing room only, like an England match of people <laughs> watching the Diana interview. And I'm sorry, that's <laughs> bullshit. That didn't happen. In no... In no universe did anything like that happen. And it's the same when she dies at the end. Spoiler alert, dies in a car crash. Um, And she died in the middle of the night, didn't she? Mm. Now, it happened, and it's really symbolic. It focuses on the clock, 4.17, and her lover, who she's spurned at some point, wakes up, and his phone's ringing at 4.17, and he looks out the window, and across London, lights are turning on, because people's phones are ringing. It's like, no, people weren't ringing each other at four o'clock in the morning people woke up normal people woke up at eight o'clock in the morning and went oh oh god that's a bit worrying you know i remember this happening the the, the, ho- the entire nation didn't wake up at four o'clock in the morning and have to ring everyone they know about the- she wasn't guess what she wasn't that important okay um i, think I remember waking up i was a kid and really annoyed that kids tv had been cancelled mm. yeah exactly it's on bbc one and bbc two and i thought there's no reason for it to be on both channels and me to be missing whatever kids' programme I wanted to watch. Exactly. Um, 
and then there's other bits which it, it tries to show her being normal and there's this stirring music that comes on every time she does something normal like make beans on toast on her own and stuff like that um is it like it, is it like the um the kind of happy music they play at the end of uh, the east enders episode where someone leaves no, it, it's really kind I'm of. I'm imagining like, the uh, Dawn of the Dead music, you know. That would have been perfect. <laughs> she's making beans no, it's, on al- toast. it's almost like bloody chariots of fire or something when she's making some beans on toast. It's, <laughs> I, I, it's abs. Now, what I will say is, Naomi Watts, her performance in isolation is pretty decent. Um. There is a kind of goofiness about her character. There's a sweetness about her character. And if this was just a story about a generic princess who is trying to find love with a normal person, trying to, you know, that kind of, or that Notting Hill style thing, you know, the way that Julia Roberts in Notting Hill is, you know, she's trying to get away from the press and the paparazzi. That might work. I get no sense of her being Diana, though. And she actually looks a bit like her. But at no point am I watching going, God, that's just like Diana. And in comparison to what we were talking about, Michael Douglas and Liberace, um, with him, you forgot it was Michael Douglas. Even though, yeah, I've got a very small memory of Liberace. Oh, and you've got no memory of Liberace, really. But you believed him as Liberace. Um, In this, I'm just, it's Naomi Watts. I don't believe her as Princess Diana especially when she starts doing a funny Scouse accent on the phone to try and get through. To, it's just, oh God, it is really bad. And one of the worst bits about it is the fact that this is a director who has made a brilliant film, yet there is no cinematic flow. There, it is functional. It is purely as if someone's handed someone in the street a camera and said, make a film. And they've gone, right, well, I need to get this scene in. Right, I'll just stick this camera here and then we'll film someone talking and then we'll cut. And loads of scenes just cut in really weird ways. The editing is all off. And the one thing that summed up how just pathetic it was as a film. And it is the kind of film that, again, Owen was talking uh, about Rush, saying there was these bits that you could see being parodied by French and Saunders. You know, like there were little kind of... This film is entirely... (laughs) I could see bits of... This film... If French and Saunders were still doing those movie parodies, this is exactly what they would be parodied. And it is like they've done it in some places. And there's this bit where she's leaving her Paris hotel room. And you know she's heading down to the car where she's eventually going to die. And her and her team walk down a corridor. And then they'll just stop and look back towards their hotel room. And the music stops. And the camera does a weird kind of Hitchcock reverse zoom thing. And then she walks off. And it's like, what? That... Are you saying that she knew she was going to die? What What are you actually trying to say with this? It, it's just making a point that no one needs. Oh, it made me so angry. I laughed out loud at so many lines which weren't meant to be laughed out loud at. Um, uh, one of the great bits, it's got an Art Malik cameo. Art Malik plays a fa- yeah, family member of Hasnat, her heart surgeon lover, and... Basically, Hasna has to choose between his life as a doctor and wanting to marry Diana. Um, okay, so Art Malik, his family friend, who's come to London to visit him to impart this nice bit, you know, this news to him, say, no, you need to choose one or the other. Where do you think they meet? They're family friends. Where do you think they meet? Apparently, um, he pulls up alongside Hasna in a car like a spy 
he likes something from 24. Hasnat gets in, has that conversation, then gets out the car and walks off. It's like, hang on, you've flown across from Pakistan and you've just met him randomly at the side of a street like you are from Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. <laughs> and it's just full of stupid moments like that that just made me hate it so much. It's a hateful, crass film. Um, it really doesn't deal with her death very well at all. It doesn't actually look into... It talks a little bit about the work she wanted to do around landmines, but doesn't actually really go into um, how that was important, what she really achieved or anything like that, apart from a little scrolly bit of text at the end. It is crass, it is exploitative, and most important, it's just so badly made and badly written. Um, I, I, I used a free ticket for it, and I felt ripped off. It's still it's two hours long, horrible filmmaking absolutely ghastly atmosphere about it and honestly it could end careers this film is so bad it won't end Naomi Watts's career but Hirschbeagle's gonna really struggle to come back from this and he's just pissed his in all the credibility from downfall he's just pissed up the wall with this I've no idea what he saw in the project I, I just can't help but think people were blackmailed into doing it horrible horrible film they they should have got Mohammed Al Fayed to lead the project on it. Yes, he if if it had been written by Mohammed Al Fayed and um and uh, Matt Lamborn, one of our contributors, um thought that at one point I think he thought that it, I was talking about Rampage or something. I can't remember what was going on, but we got to into a conversation about how Uwe Boll should have directed this to a Al, Al Fayed script. That is gold. <laughs> this is utter turd. And on that note, we'll have a quick break and be back with what to, what to watch next week. So, Owen, what are you recommending to watch this week? I'm picking a film that's been added to uh, Netflix UK. Um, it was one that we... Uh, that I, I don't know if anybody else watched it on the podcast, I can't remember, but I definitely went to see it earlier in the year. Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters um, has been added. Just a short film, 88 minutes long, stars uh, Jeremy Renner and Gemma Arterton, directed by the guy who did Norwegian horror film Dead Snow. Um, and it is trashy, and it is a bit silly, but it's uh, a good, fun, action, fantasy, horror sort of film. I'd, I'd recommend it. Okay. Cool. Uh, on film for Friday night, uh, sorry, E4, uh, Friday night, 9 o'clock, Cloverfield, one of the better found footage films. Okay. It's not a lot and... on terrestrial TV this week. Okay. And James... Uh, yeah, it's already been mentioned earlier, but um, uh, this week is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. starts on Channel 4, Friday night, 8 o'clock. It has been created by Joss Whedon, uh, which means it's going to be awesome because the man can't do a thing wrong in my eyes. And it also, spoiler alert, stars Clark Gregg um, as Agent Coulson well, as well. Seen, if you've seen a trailer for it, and if, you, and if you've watched TV this week, you will have seen a trailer for it. Yeah. That's been spoiled for you already. Yeah, exactly. Well, the the thing, and it's understandable because they've built it around him because it, it, it's a really lovely story about how basically he went from a, a kind of two-line character in Iron Man to become this cult hero in the Marvel Universe and 
during that scene in Avengers, I, I, they, I was genuinely upset. And so I'm glad they found a way to continue the great work of Clark Gregg as Agent Coulson. Um, very much looking forward to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I know I won't be able to pick up on all the uh, Easter eggs and things like that, but apparently there will be loads of hints and references to the Marvel Universe, which those who kind of read the comics will want to keep an eye out for. Did you see that um, Barack Obama tweeted Stan Lee after watching The Avengers and said that um, if Phil isn't revealed as I in the next film, I might misuse my power as president? <laughs> Uh, that that's pretty awesome uh, apparently um yeah stanley that they're, they're very uh open to a stanley cameo in agents of shield as well so that'll be they, something else to keep an eye for yes as uh agent smith is it Mir- well she's maria hill isn't she hill the hill yeah that's it uh yeah so uh yeah agents of shield joss Whedon. it's going to be funny it's going to be it yeah it's going to be great fun be lots of people from the Marvel universe as well for the geeks to get involved in, I imagine. So, I'm sure. Um, that's all for this week's Fail the Critic podcast. What's on next week, James? Next week we have got reviews of uh, Runner Runner, the new Ben Affleck, and is it is it JT? Is it Timberlake now? I can't yeah. bloody remember. Yeah. Um, so we've got that uh, as well as a chat with. Our own Matt Lamborn uh, as our resident poker expert to look at the true story behind Runner Runner and also think about a few of the best and worst poker stroke gambling scenes in films. Also, hopefully got a review of the new Woody Allen film uh, starring Kate Blanchett in potentially Oscar-winning form, uh, Blue Jasmine. Excellent. So uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, you can find uh, us on Twitter at Failed Critics. Um, we're on Facebook as well, under the same name. And you can find the website at www.failcritic.com. So I'd like to thank everyone for listening and everyone who contributed. The Failed Critics are James Diamond, Steve Norman and Owen Hughes with original music provided by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. You can find us at failedcritics.com, at Facebook at facebook.com slash failedcritics, and on Twitter at at failedcritics. And it seemed to me Jerry lived his life like a candle in the wind Always ranting on the podcast about people he hated And God, we're gonna miss him and all his northern wits His candle burned out long before His legend ever did (laughs) 